11 o'clock comics episode 260 good god that's crazy talk it's up there yo Pretty soon we'll be at 300. What are we going to do? Then we march. <laughs> we march when we're in the middle of Sparta. March to bed. We march. Did you hear they're making a sequel to um, three, 300? No, no. That's what I thought it was going to be. Is it called? Is that a, is that a Xerxes? Well, the thing I saw on Bleeding Cool today, I don't think it was called Xerxes. What's it called? I don't know. I don't want to open up my uh, my web browser because it'll slow things down. And, and why do yeah, yeah. Why, why do I go there? Why do I go to Bleeding Cool? It's like the dude cannot help but spoil everything. Well, he's yeah. not alone. He's got people. I know, but there was not that I give a shit, and I really don't. But there was a a Bacalo illustrated issue of X Men that he was talking about. That somebody comes into the X Men, and he goes, "We blewed out the characters, so you can't tell who it is. This character doesn't matter what color you make him. You're gonna know who it is. You know." And it, it was just like, dude, you got a shit in every pot. Why? Is that your thing? Yes, yeah, your thing. Yes, for 20 years, it's been his thing. Why does he get off on that? That's weird. That's deviant behavior. Uh, <laughs> I'm drawn to it. I know, right? He needs a butt plug and a ball gag. He'd be my my best. Wow. <laughs> wow. Hey, wow. start it off on a high note, and then we'll work down. Apparently, apparently. <laughs> I miss you guys this week. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Oh, I? yes. Oh, I need my boys. That's what I said to Jason today. He's like, boo, what's the matter? You're, you're all you're all verklempt. I said, I need my boys. That's right. Well, you know. How's the new vehicle, Chris? It's awesome. My wife won't let me drive it, though. Damn, that's right. I'll tell you what we got. No. Um, we got, it's used, so I'm not rolling that deep, but we got, uh, an Audi A3. Nice. It's, yeah, it's, it's really nice. Oh boy. I'm, I'm, I'm excited about it, but, uh, you know, uh, eventually I'll get to drive it. I'll recycle <laughs> a joke from last week. I have an any. An any? Mm-hmm. You have an Audi, I have an any. <sighs> ah, 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 Hey everybody, it's 11 o'clock comics, and I am Vince B. Yes, you are, and I'm Christopher Neesman. <laughs> yeah, you are. Welcome back, Chris. I'm David Price. Yay! Yes, you are, and I, fresh from Cybertron, am Fortress Maximus. Oh, I love you this week. You love me every week. Tell me you love yeah, those true. books. Please tell me you love them. I, 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 I want to hear your review, but just tell me you love them. Shouldn't you wait for my review? Uh, just yay or nay. <laughs> I mean, that would spoil the review. All right, I can wait. I can yeah. wait. Uh, and you know where you can get boatloads of tra- Transformers? I screwed it up. <laughs> Shit. You know where you can get an arc full of Transformers comics? Say where. I, I know where. And our sponsor. Yes, DCB Service. That's right, Discount Comic Book Service dcbservice.com where you can get your favorite funny books and collectibles at Cybertronian discounts. That's a lot. You know what I mean? The discounts are way more than meets the eye and I think I'm milking this a little bit too much. For example, from Avatar, Max Brooks is doing an original series for the fine folks at Avatar. 
called the Extinction Parade. And it's drawn by my love of my life, Mr. Rallo Caceres from Crossed. Uh, the cover price, of course, it's an Avatar book, so it's three ninety nine. But you can get it this month at DCB Service for a dollar ninety nine. That's fifty percent off. From our, that's crazy. It's nutty. From our buddies over at Ava- at uh, IDW, they are publishing a hardcover called Al Feldstein: Mad Life and Fantastic Art of Al Feldstein. You need to get this. It is written by Grant Geisman with art by the maestro himself, Alf Feldstein. You're going to get the EC stuff. You're going to get the mad stuff. You're going to get a whole boatload of gorgeous art from Mr. Feldstein. you got to get it. The cover price eh, may be a little prohibitive to some people. It's $49.99. But mm-hmm. if you're a DCBS customer, that's not what you're going to pay. You are going to pay $24.99. That's half off. Do the math. And, as I mentioned last week from the good people at Fanographics, it's the companion volume to the beautiful New Wave hardcover. This one's called The Treasury of Mini Comics. It is a thick-as-a-brick hardcover, small footprint, big on pleasure. It's $26.99, but you can get it for half off, $13.49. Crazy talk. And if you're a first-time customer, enter the following code into the pre-moistened slot, and you can net yourself another 8% on top of the already massive discounts. David, what's that code? That code is EOC8. Ah, music to my ears. EOC8. Remember, they don't care if you're uh, a latecomer. You can place an order past the final order cutoff. They don't care. They'll take it. And get your previews digitally. It's a dollar and change. Save a tree. Look at it on your uh, portable device. Take you, look at, you can do your comic book order on the bus if you wanted to or the train. Or in a car if you're brave, but don't. I wouldn't recommend it. So uh, check all that stuff out. And where are we going to be in 2.5 weeks? Third Coast. That's right. It's C2E2 time, the absolute best comic book convention of the season, bar none. Uh, it's April 26th to the 28th in Chicago at the beautiful McCormick Place, uh, specifically the West Building. You can see Brian Azzarello. And he'll spit on you. Kieran Gillen, Rick Remender, Paul Cornell, the gorgeous Amanda Connor, Andy Diggle, Chris Burnham, Brian Wood, Jim McCann, John Lehman, Mike Norton, Tony Moore. Oh, my God. And if you're into the entertainment stuff, Adam West, Julie Newmar, some folks from that uh, Walking Dead show that people tend to watch. Uh, Diamond Dallas Page is going to be there. Jake the Snake Roberts. I hope Jerry the King Lawler is going to be there. Uh, Brian Posehn. And don't get left out. Buy your tickets in advance, and you know why? Because you'll save. A three-day pass is only $55 if you pre-order, but if you wait till the show, you're going to pay $10 more. It's $65 at the show. You guarantee yourself access. Get those passes before. Go to C2E2.com, get your tickets, find out who's in Artist Alley. Um, and remember, it's the 26th through the 28th. You don't have a whole lot of time. Take your days off of work now because you got to be there. McCormick Place, Chicago. We'll be there. You'll be there. We'll have fun. Mad fun, dude. And um, it's a it's a perfect segue into this week's drink roll call. So I tell you what, I'm going to lead it off Yay. because I stopped at my um, local favorite uh, brewery 
tap room um, tonight. Uh, that's Revolution Brewing, which I think we're probably going to go. And I think we're going there on Thursday night. I got to double check. I think we're having a meet up there. Um, but Revolution, I think so. Uh, Revolution and C2E2 have a collaboration beer, and it's called Galaxy Hero India Pale Ale. Ooh, I like that. It is. It's a really nice IPA. So um, yeah, it is. Uh, it is delightful. And I was like, I'm going to buy a bottle of that, and I brought it home, and I opened it up, and I'm drinking it. I'm putting it in my mouth right now. <laughs> yeah, you are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Jason, what are you putting in your mouth? I just took a swig as you were describing your delicious beer mm-hmm. of uh, the closest thing that I've been drinking lately to beer, and that is Diet Dr. Pepper. Oh, yeah, it's got bubbles. Yeah, Chris, I know you're excited. About- <laughs> He's, like, He's giddy. Giddy with like, derision. You're going to have to start stretching out this fucking liver before you get out of here. Buddy, my liver is going to be like a born-again virgin on that Thursday of our arrival. You're going to be two beers and passed out. I have not had a beer or any carb or dairy in like two months almost. Wow. You'll have company on the couch there, buddy. You're going to look great and be absolutely no fun. Dude, I'm going to get hammered while we're out there. Don't worry about that. I know. I know. You're going to like, you're going to sniff a beer and you're going to pass out. So David, you, dude, pick me up because I know you will, and then Vince is going to disappoint us greatly. It's true. <laughs> My boots. Uh, I am have, Oh, all right. I am having, uh, some Redwood Creek Merlot. Nice. And Vince, we're just going to skip over you because you're drinking soda. No, I'm drinking water. Agua uh, <laughs> frío. I'm out. I'm done. <laughs> nope. It's got Chris, floaters in it, though. That makes me more muy macho. <laughs> All right, so let's do this. Let's talk about some comics or some live tweets, whatever you want to do. It's let's up do to it. you. Well, I'm very comfortable this week, by the way. For Abel? Yep. I read uh, two things this week that both were highly recommended by two of you. Awesome. Okay. Uh, the, the two things were uh, Get Hero. Oh, which yes. yeah. Chris detailed marvelously when it first came out uh, by Vertigo, uh, published by Vertigo, uh, written by Anthony Bourdain. And I believe he had a hand, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, think, uh, uh, Joel oh, Rose, is that right? That sounds sure. Um, yeah, that's right. Find out. And it was illustrated by a gentleman named Langdon Foss. Boy, is he a beast. Yeah, I'm not going to get too much into the book because yeah. I, yep. I uh, should have looked up what episode it was, but a quick search will – Chris spent a good chunk of time describing the book uh, at, at the time he read it. and um, Yep, Anthony Bourdain and, and Joel Rose. There you go. And was very enthusiastic for it. But uh, I have to say um, the reason it took so long for me to read is probably about like six, eight months ago, Barnes & Noble had one of those sales, like one of those ridiculously good sales, and I had ordered – it was like buy one. It was like buy two get one free or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I had placed a couple orders, but I had the stuff I'd ordered. I guess some of the stuff hadn't been, uh, you know, published yet. So in an order that I had for three things, one of the things I'd ordered was get hero. So it finally arrived like two weeks ago, and uh, and I read it. And it was you were absolutely right. It was great. I, I mean, again, I won't get into too much detail, but it's it's not at all what you would think of it. Like when you hear Anthony Bourdain and you see a sushi chef on the cover, you're thinking like. Oh, it's like a 
slice of life book about a sushi no. cook. But it's not at all. I mean, it's uh, you know, it's it was a, uh, it was like hard boiled meats wonton soup. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it was uh, crazy fun. There's cr- there is crazy detail and a love letter for food in it. So mm-hmm. I, I definitely think being a foodie or someone who enjoys food. Oh, it's a love letter to food and a total in your face middle finger to foodies. Sure, sure. But I mean, I, I love the, the detail and um, reverence with which like uh, they treat food would would be lost on someone like say Vince. I guess who who just really use food as completely fuel for his body and that's it. Um but he but, would love the art. I think he would love the art. Definitely, definitely. But as as you said in your review, it's it's really a, a wild and crazy like batshit crazy dystopian adventure. Uh mm-hmm. and I enjoyed the hell out of it. It was I I probably wouldn't have read it just because to be honest, I'm not a huge Anthony Bourdain fan. Like I I've never been a huge fan of his show shows but mm-hmm. uh but your enthusiasm caused me to uh to try it and i freaking loved it so uh props to you awesome thank you um it's on it, it, you enjoyed it yeah the other thing which vince alluded to is mm-hmm. uh i just read the first two volumes of transformers more than meets the eye <laughs> now vince yes sir if I'm, I'm wrong but you, you know, I remember buying these. I think because you said that, to your mind, these were like the best, the best Transformers comics in a long time. Am I right? Yes. And I don't remember why you thought that. Like, could you? I just want you, I want you to set that up because I'm coming into this obviously as a much more novice Transformers reader. So, what was it about these books versus the other Transformers books that have come out in the last say five years that that you thought made these different and worth calling attention to? Okay. Um, for uh, first off, I think they are the definitely the best written. James Roberts, uh, he's got a, a you know he's got a large cast to deal with, and he isolates each one. They have their own little unique personalities, their own little mannerisms, and they're robots. You know what I mean? He's got he's got this cast aboard this ship, and you would think, well, throwing all these characters together in a ship, flinging them out into space would limit his kind of uh, story potential in a way because if if they're all shipbound to you know to a large extent what are you going to do but that's not a detriment to this guy there, there seems to be no end to the amount of stories he can tell with just this 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 cast of ragtag transformers on a quest to find the knights of cybertron why because they want to bring them back to cybertron which is in you would think it wouldn't be, but it's in turmoil because the Decepticon uh, Autobot War is over. Did they? Let me just ask you a question. Did they include Death of Optimus Prime in the yeah, first? Yeah. Oh, they needed to because you you really need to read that to yeah, to so know where this is going. Right. So, so it's it's this whole series is written by, as you said, um, uh, James Roberts, and yeah. I'm gathering he is a well revered Transformers writer. In I think no, the guy's new, Rel- relatively new. Yeah. Because it says uh, in the in the on the cover dress of these, it says reunites fan favorite creative team of James Roberts and Nick Roche. They did the uh, last stand of the wreckers for IDW, but the uh, guy okay. the guy hasn't been writing. Tra- I mean, he's no Simon Furman who has, has been doing it for like twenty freaking years. You know, right? He's he's a relative newcomer to the Transformers. And then the the art by Nick either Roche or Roche. I don't know how you say it. And, yeah, Alex, and Alex Milne. Yeah. Who, who actually, by the way, will be at C2E2. And Milne's great. Roche is good, too. Milne's. I mean, they're yeah. both really good. 
So, I mean, the crux of this, and again, this is where I must say, you know, um, I guess a lot of people complain about comics today, meaning mainstream. No. What? <laughs> Am I not here? No, you're here. Chris just said no, meaning people oh, complain oh, sorry, about comics. Yeah, because, uh, but one of the things people often cite is the, uh, the, 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 you know, the inaccessibility issue. Yeah. And I think we often say, you know, back when we started reading comics, we just jumped in, right? We didn't worry about, like, that it was the first issue of an arc or it was the first issue of a series. We just started reading a book and then kind of went from there to the next book and figured out what we missed and kind of picked it up over time and we didn't worry about it. But today's reading audience is much different. And I found this to be an interesting test of that for me. Because while it is the start of a new series, it absolutely makes a lot of presumption that you're very familiar. No. With this. Yes, it does. No, it doesn't. It's a yes. clean. It's a clean slate, dude. Uh, no, it's not. Yeah, it is. I mean, what could be cleaner? Uh, every 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 page is full of of references to stuff that's happened in the past, to inside jokes about guys that they used to work with, be teammates with, people that betrayed them. It, it it assumes if you don't know that stuff, it's I mean, yeah, you don't need it to follow what's going on in the pages, but but I, I have to think that not knowing this stuff, myself included, leaves you with a lot of questions as you're reading it. I mean, my head was spinning at times. Like I don't it, it made like all these characters, many of them have grievances like, with each other. Oh yeah. But I don't know why. It didn't explain why. It explains like, oh well, I mean obviously like um for example, uh I know from reading the eight issues that were included in these two trades that uh, Cyclonus is a guy that they all have issues with, oh, but sure. yeah. I don't really know why. Because he's, he's unaligned. What? He's unaligned. He's not a Decepticon or a, an Autobot. Right, but they referenced that they, he like he was aligned with Galvatron, that he killed people. Yeah, so, at one time, right. Yeah, like, So I guess... But Drift the, is an ex-Decepticon I've gathered, but I don't know anything about him. Like, was he a frequent character before popular, this? Very popular character. Yeah, he came out of um, All Hail Megatron. Okay. So, my point, but you're not, you're, I know you're getting defensive about it because it's your book. I'm not suggesting this that my I, book. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't enjoy the books for it. I'm just saying that this was an interesting test for me in that we are often saying, oh, you know, you, people concern themselves too much with what they've missed. Just jump and enjoy the book. And I think this, it really, it was a litmus test for me in that regard because I do think they make many, many references throughout the eight issues about stuff that clearly has happened in continuity of the Transformers. And I didn't know 98% of it. But that said, I very much enjoyed the books. Nice. So, and, and what's cool about it is, like, and I don't know if you took it this way again because maybe you're much more embroiled in the continuity. Like, the first trade um, is really, in essence, a, a robotic version of, like, Alien or the thing? Yeah, with the um, the uh, what are that? What's that creature? The spark that eater. the spark eater? Yeah, you know. So, so just to set it up, just a quick. Uh, and, and Vince, tell me if I got all this wrong, because again, I, I'm just this is what I'm gleaning. the The Cybertronian War, which is the thing probably most of us are familiar with from like the cartoons back in the day and the Transformers animated movie and all that stuff, which is you know the Autobots versus the Decepticons, lasted uh, six billion years, right? Long time. Yeah, and it's over now. But in the wake of it being over, like it's very anticlimactic. Um, tons and tons of Transformers come back to Cybertron, but uh, like nobody likes the Autobots. They don't really appreciate what they did. Um, things aren't going well on Cybertron, and basically they all kind of feel like they don't quite know what they fought for. Um, but the father figure, see the the main one of the main 
points is the father figure leaves. Optimus Prime denounces his position uh, and returns to his original name, Orion Pax. Right. Because right. he feels that him being there is a symbol of the war the war itself he like as if he was responsible for the war because he was a they rallied around him so he is a symbol of that struggle that we, they went through so he just left right right and, which is kind of noble you know mm-hmm. so this kind of picks up you know at a point after that and they're they're kind of not sure what to do so rodimus prime uh i guess formerly hot rod but now the leader of the autobots um he decides to go on a quest to find the I don't know if they're the original Transformers, Vince, but the, I the, guess. Yeah, they're, they're, they're not, they're the first, um, they're like the first pulls out of the, uh, the, the first sparks that were distributed. They, that's the, the guy, the Knights of Cybertron. Yeah, so, so they're looking for the, like, the lost Knights of Cybertron, which was kind of evocative to me, like, in, in the modern Battlestar Galactica, you know, where they were kind of searching for the, you know what I mean? Like, it was, they're, they're oh, on yeah. a quest. They're not sure if they exist. A lot of people think that they're mythical, but Rodimus uh, is is convinced they exist. And he basically says, "I'm going on this quest. Uh, anyone that wants to come, you can come along. Uh, you know, no no judgments. Anyone that you know, no matter what your history, your prior transgressions, your reputation, your rank, you come with me. We're going to go on a quest. So you know, uh, a lot of the other core Autobots are like, oh, he's going to have like 20 people to go with him. But he ends up getting a couple hundred guys to go along with him." And uh, and it's a mix. I mean, some of the characters I know again from the toys in the cartoon, like uh, like his, uh, you know, he's got uh, Ultra Magnus as his right hand man, and uh, Ratchet's there, uh, you know, and uh, and they so they've got this conclave of of guys, and then um, people like Bumblebee, and probably a lot of the 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 ones we we that are the best known don't go on this mission, right? Um, and they, they they go out into space, and uh, as with all things, the the journey immediately sort of doesn't go according to plan. And what I'm alluding to is in the first arc, basically, they're kind of, they're on the ship. There's a lot of the areas of the ship they haven't really um, uh, investigated. They don't know the ship well. And one of the Autobots is found with basically his chest exploded open and his spark gone. And it, this is where the spark eater comes into be. And I say it's, so it's basically this nasty looking sort of kind of half monsterish, half decayed, ghost-like transformer creature. And it's going around trying to almost like uh, like a vampire stealing the spark from Transformers, and they have to fight it. Uh, and it's just it's like I said, it's really cut straight from that 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 trope of you know there's this creature that's evolving, and it's it's you know it's 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 picking them off, and it knows the space better than they do, and you know uh, it's hard to kill. And uh, I thought it was really entertaining. In, in essence, it was a robotic horror book. I mean, that's really what the first sounds arc was. like. One of my favorite Doctor Who episodes. Oh, well, there you go. Yep, Ark in Space. Ark in Remember Space. That one? Yeah, great one. So, because the yeah. thing is, I mean, you lose your spark. The spark is the soul of, mm-hmm. of a transformer. You lose that, you're dead. You're gone. Yeah. So, so they, that was pretty much the whole first first arc, and then the second volume is uh, really two storylines. I mean, the first one, it, the, the first in that arc is basically they get uh, called to a planet, um, and uh, part of this is that Ratchet is getting old. And his hands don't work too well anymore, and he's you know the, like, the chief surgeon medical uh, agent of of this group, and he he knows he needs to find a replacement for for himself. So they head to this area this this uh, to find who he thinks is going to be his replacement, an Autobot named Pharma, who's the head of this this like surgical group. And uh, but when they get there, it's like 
not what they expected. Again, it's kind of an, another. I can see this in like a sci-fi type of a of a serialized story where they show up and all is not what it seems, and there's a virus going on going around, and uh, let's just say pharma is uh, is, uh, is is far from uh, from altruistic, and uh, and they they basically have to have it out, and um, so it's like a case of betrayal. Uh, but they do end up getting a new surgeon um, whose name is – do you remember? Uh, it's another medical type name. I'm pulling the books now trying to follow along with you. Yeah. Um, but that was cool. A little, little more straightforward sort of like you know, betrayal type of a thing. Um, not you – know, again, not at all hard. Just more I think straightforward sort of you know, action and espionage. Um, and then the last part of the, of the volume – takes a, a big veer because it, it gets away from this group that we're following on the ship and it focuses on a group of, um, well, two groups of Decepticons. There's a, a small group of scavengers and they're kind of like lowly, you get the sense they're lowly, kind of not, they were never really important and they're just going around just living off of scavenging now, whatever they can find. Um, and for some reason, they're being tracked down by this uh, Decepticon uh, Justice Division, which has been they've referenced throughout the the entire series, and what you know about the Decepticon Justice Division is they're a bunch of badass, essentially bounty hunters, that are uh, answer only to the head of of the Decepticons. Which Vince, I'm assuming at this point is I don't know who, but was usually Megatron. Uh, Megatron. When this series starts, Megatron's out of the picture. I mean, is he dead or is he just missing? Or I'm not going to say. Okay, well, they, they answer to someone, but basically their, their, their job is to go around and seek out any Decepticons that have, uh, like, deserted or committed treason against the Decepticons. And what's weird about this is you're hearing about this group throughout the whole book, and you know that's what they do in their badasses. And then you find out that they're tracking down this group of, of, uh, of scavengers, and you don't understand why, because the scavengers are, uh, are relatively innocuous, and, and they're not quite sure why they're being tracked down either. But they find out that they're being tracked down because of, uh, of of a sort of a passerby that they took took in recently, who in fact, as we find out towards you know as it goes along, was was a deserter. Um, but what's interesting is they, these. It's clear these scavengers have like no shot to to hold off the uh, the Decepticon uh, Justice Division. I mean these these guys are bad asses. Now I don't know again if these guys have been in in comics before, Vince. Mm-hmm. Have they? Yes. Okay, because they're badasses. There's a guy named Voss, who I guess is the he's he doesn't speak. Well, he speaks in like the old Cybertronian language, but all you see it on the page is like symbols. There's this dude Tarn who seems like the leader. Oh, and, he he uh, is awesome. He's awesome, and he kills each of these guys have almost like superpowers, which is neat. Um, Tarn kills by his voice. His voice is so astute he can modulate his voice to match up with the person he's interrogating, Spark, and kill them. The lower he makes his voice, he can lower his voice gradually until he kills their spark. He's like Ella. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. There's a guy, I don't know if you're saying his name right, but Cohen, and he transforms into an electric chair and electrocutes the, his, his opponents. There's a guy named Helix, and his center is basically, looks like a, a, like a, a dryer from a washer dryer, <laughs> but it's, it, at its core, it's like, it's like a, a molten, it's almost like a sun in his chest, so he can throw, and he's giant, so he can throw, usually he can throw his enemies in there and melt them. There's a guy, Tessaris, and he's just got this gigantic, like, almost like, um, uh, like, like just million toothed little grinding, like, belly 
that he can like put things in and grind them up. Um, and then their sixth member is, uh, is they call a pet, but he's actually a domesticated spark eater. And so these are like super powered transformers, which is cool. And they go around, like I said, uh, you know, seek, you know, seeking vengeance, being bounty hunters. And they're tracking down these, these, uh, these, uh, scavengers. And all of a sudden the scavengers realize, cause they're holed up in this base. Wait a minute. We have a shot. And they pan back. And the reason they think that is that in storage in a prison, is none other than Grimlock. And, like, my for boy. some reason... huh? He's my boy. Yeah, for some reason, Grimlock, the Dinobot, is in prison at this place, you know, probably long since in prison. So they they basically resurrect Grimlock and set him out like a wild, you know, pit bull on the, uh, the, the Justice Division. And he, of course... Hey, hey, why you got to profile pit bulls? <laughs> like a rabid dog then I apologize could be um, like a very angry Pomeranian yeah exactly not bad, not bad. I, that doesn't fit Grimlock though yeah and, how, uh, about and, just, and about, how about just a big robotic dinosaur perfect. how about that a robotic okay. T-Rex you got it um, and and, and, uh, <laughs> and they, they basically use him to their advantage to get out of the mess nice um, but I have to say like again they're, they're like each the thing I like about this book is that it's written by the same guy but in each story, it, it took sort of a different genre of, 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 of storytelling and worked it into the Transformers mythos. But yet it's also clearly setting up a much longer form story, which is this quest that they're on. And, and I'm assuming at some point, because I don't see the point otherwise, they're going to they're gonna match up these Transformer, these, uh, these Decepticon scavengers with the traveling group led by Rodimus. Although I guess we'll have to wait and see on that. But uh, like I said, there, there's tons of like inside jokes and references about guys that have issues with each other, or hey, remember that time here, or oh, he's a badass because you know he did this here. And clearly, I'm sure most of the things they're referencing is stuff that's happened in the comics before. Well, but in a lot of, me, of it is prehistory too. Um, okay, like some of it's from the cartoon. Like they'll they'll throw something in there, a nudge, nudge, or a wink from the cartoon too. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, but yeah, but but in spite of me again not knowing whether or not most of that stuff ever actually happened before, um, it didn't at all deter from from my enjoyment of the story. The art is phenomenal. Yeah, it really, it's is. beautiful stuff. Um, another interesting thing, and again, I don't know if this is common in the Transformers comics. Very few transformations in this book. I mean, like almost to the point where they make a case of of saying that like every time you transform, it's not necessarily that good for you. Yeah, it's painful to some of them. Yeah, so what's like, it based on the the uh, transformation cog? That's yes. that's what um Pharma was uh harvesting those transformations. Yes. Yeah, it's great yeah. stuff. So there's not much transforming in the book, so they're all mostly robotic, but uh it's hella fun actually. The the third uh trade just got came in my DCBS shipment I guess a week or two ago. So uh yeah, I'm definitely on board Vince. You got me on awesome, board. Awesome. Awesome. And and I have to say it's uh but getting back to the I think the takeaway from this is I feel like this, from a scientific experiment, was uh, a positive, like, t- a test of our theorem, which is that we often say, you know, people are too encumbered by, like, starting points and jumping on points. And if you just give a book that's well-written and well-illustrated to try for a few issues, it can bring you in. Like, you don't need to be obsessed about starting an issue one. And I do think this is definitely a proof point to that because there is tons for someone like you or someone like Chris Gamble or someone that's been reading a lot of the Transformers like stuff. I'm sure this book is like 10 times what I got out of it in terms of like, 
hidden references, and you probably know these characters inside and out. Hmm. For I don't me, know about that, but yeah. Well, for me, this again had tons of things I I didn't know if they were relevant. I I didn't know if the characters were sort of being changed in any way, but it didn't really matter because the stories I was reading were wholly fulfilling. And uh, so props to him for that. Cool. Because I think, you know, that's that's all you can ask for. And in terms of value for your dollar, did these issues not take you more than a half hour to read each one? I mean, they are dense. There's a lot of dialogue in there. Definitely a lot of dialogue. Um, yeah, no, I mean, they were definitely, like, I definitely feel like I got my, my money yeah. for my value. The letterer is definitely making... Um, probably is is uh being i don't know what i'm trying to say here they're not paying the letterer enough because he's put through a, a real workout on this how about that right now i have a i mean I, i'm not quite the, the one thing i want to ask you about is is and you answered a little bit because i asked you who um you know whether or not uh um the writer had had done a lot of books and you said he did a mini series about the wreckers and that makes sense because they reference back to the wreckers a ton in this book um, and I had no freaking clue who the records were. Like, they write reference to the records all throughout the book. Like, oh, he was a wrecker. Oh, I used to be a wrecker. I got kicked out. Oh, remember when we were the wreckers? Like, and, and I, I was like, I don't, I guess I'm supposed to have some semblance of why the records are important. So, who were the wreckers? Okay. Uh oh, here we go. <laughs> There's. It depends. I mean, they're from the Marvel books. Um, I don't remember if they were ever in the uh, cartoon. Were they in the cartoon, the Wreckers? I don't remember if they were. Um, let's see. I can't name them all. They were in the Dreamwave books. They were in the Marvel books. They were in the IADW books. Um, Springer. You know, I don't. I don't need you to name. I'm saying, like, like, what's the concept? Like, why? Who are they? Like, what's they're their they're, they're the. Um, they were an Autobot. Um, like an assault team, like the, oh, okay. the the lightning squad. Whenever they'd go in, if you wanted the job done and you wanted a final solution to the job, i.e., assassins, you send the wreckers in, and okay. they they were deadly, and you know they were a team, but they were a crack team, kind of like the ver- the Transformers version of GI Joe, I guess. You know. Okay. Okay. Not a SWAT team, but more like a, a lightning fast assault squad. Okay, I'm I'm seeing it here now. I, I'm just looking it up. Okay, so yeah, they, they, Simon Furman created them, so I guess he's done. He created a lot of stuff. So. Goddamn Furman, dude's yeah. been writing uh, Transformers forever. Uh, so cool, but yeah, I mean, it, it just they make a lot of references. Like I guess uh, World used to be one, and then it got kicked out. And Roadbuster was one too. So yeah, the, and I'm reading know. here on the roster. It's uh. Springer, Broadside, Sandstorm, Topspin, Twin Twist, Roadbuster, Whirl, Scoop, Cup, Iron Fist, Guzzle, Rotostorm, Pyro, Perceptor. So there you go. Perceptor's a pussy, though. I don't know why Perceptor is a is a a wrecker. I can't tell you the first thing about it, but uh, th- there it is. Oh, Perceptor's the microscope guy. Yeah. Hilarious. Yeah. yeah. As, as a kid, that's funny. <laughs> the two, my two favorite are Topspin and Twin Twist. The uh, turquoise and white, they were almost the same looking. Uh, the toys I'm talking about. Uh-huh. And, you know, one turned into the tank with the two drills on the side. They were great toys. Um, one of the things I read for this week, oddly enough, was a Transformers book. And I'm going to be, Shut I'll be very brief because people can get transformed out. And we want to keep it, you know, let's make some room for other stuff. I read 
the it's a one shot actually but it didn't start out that way i guess idw has a uh, track record for releasing digital only comics in uh maybe 10 to 12 page um chapters and what they'll do occasionally is when when these uh online stories finish they'll call all the the parts and release a physical edition maybe a one shot or um I think uh, Monstrosity is coming out as a series of four books where it was like 12 parts online. But anyway, um, I read Transformers Fall of Cybertron. And not only is it a licensed book, it's a video game tie-in too to the Fall of Cybertron video game. Um, it is the origin of the Dinobots. <laughs> there you go. And it is so freaking good. I mean... It, it's all Shockwave. Shockwave is a dick. And he, um, long story short, he wrangles, he tricks, um, Grimlock and company into, uh, penetrating this Decepticon base. And he was totally waiting for them. It's also the origin of the Insecticons, too. And, uh, Shockwave kind of wrangles the Insecticons under his control and he uses the bugs to bring down Grimlock and company. And the reason why I'm not saying Dinobots is because they weren't Dinobots when they went into this thing. Uh, Grimlock does the, no, not Grimlock, uh, Shockwave does the old scan of a, a faraway planet called Earth and finds the forms of what he, uh, assumes are the, the, the indigenous life forms. And of course it's prehistory, so it's dinosaurs. And he, uh, and it's, you can also find out the reason why Grimlock talk like he do. You know, it's because he was resisting the treatment and um, tr struggled against this mind-altering thing that Shockwave was doing to him that he kind of broke himself and limited his, his cognition. So Grim in the beginning of the book, Grimlock is not like the, the Hulk-talking, you know, Grimlock-mad character. He's really pretty savvy, and um, Optimus kind of depends on him, you know. Uh, but it it's a... Ooh. Look at that! It's mm. a, it's my wife just came in. It's a great little book. It's a it's a wow. it's a hey. hubba hubba. <laughs> it's a prestige format one shot, and it goes for seven ninety nine. But it's really good. The uh, it was written by John Barber, the um, the dude that wrote. Um, what did he write, John Barber? Wow, I'm losing it. He I no he writes uh, robots in disguise for IDW. And um, it's illustrated by, and this guy I never heard of before, Dirjaj Verma. Hmm. Say that three times. I five. know, but basically, it's it's a war of attrition. It's it's um, at a time in the uh, Decepticon uh, Autobot War where, um, I mean, like, what's the most important thing if you were a commander in a war? What's the most important thing that you need? in order to at least fight in this war. You need a steady flow of resources, right? Whether it's soldiers or weapons or ammunition or, or fuel, you, you need stuff to, to fuel your war. And in Cybertronian terms, that's what? Energon. The Energon must flow because without it, the ability to fight is lost and with it, the battle. So like this is Optimus Prime's main concern is Energon. It's at an ebb. They, the Autobots don't have much. So they're, the, the way Optimus is, is um, 
as the, the the seasoned battle tactician that he is, he's basing his movements on the fact that they can't do a whole hell of a lot. So limited resistance, limited assault, you know what I mean? Like get in, get out, do what you have to do. Don't do any more. No energon weapons. Like he yells at Grimlock because he, he's firing up his energon sword. And he's like, dude, we don't have that much energy. You can't be wasting it on your sword. So, uh, but oddly enough, the Decepticons seem to have limitless amounts of energon. And Optimus is like, what? Where the hell is this coming from? And that's where the, uh, Grimlock comes in. He, he tracks the, the, uh, energon spike back to this Decepticon base and Shockwave is waiting for them. Then come the, the Dinobots. It's a really good issue. And, uh, unlike Jason's, uh, take on, more than meets the eye you don't have to be all that seasoned uh, uh in the transformers universe this will tell you everything you need to know good fights bad energy's at an ebb they got to do something about it Uh oh here comes shockwave the dick and he's gonna he's gonna put the the slam the uh the his claws into um a group of autobots it's a great little story i loved it a lot and like i said it disproves two commonly held comic book truisms that one licensed comics aren't very good and two video game tie-ins are even worse you know so if you want uh to read a good transformers book get more than meets the eye because in honesty it was better than this and then when you're done with that get fall of cybertron because it's really good boom yeah that was almost a tag team almost almost sort of kind of Eiffel tower a little bit mm. Ooh. <laughs> Simon Furman in the middle. The uh, <laughs> right. I have all right. So there's since Jason mentioned not being well versed. I've I read the I guess controversial a couple of weeks ago issue this morning. I read Uncanny Avengers number five. Ooh, I found I found nothing controversial about it but then again i'm a 40 year old white dude so maybe i'm just not keyed in on things but it was um, controversial apparently there was a speech that turned people's some anyway uh i i went in at first i was a little being a longtime marvel reader i i was reading it with that mindset and and as i'm listening to jason talk about transformers and and since i haven't read a transformers issue since probably issue 80 of that four issue miniseries i i haven't i haven't i i'd be like jason where i'm I'm just i'm a little lost if i wasn't following it but here this issue i thought things were a little askew based on the first four issues of uncanny adventures i kind of wish those first four issues didn't exist, and we just started with number five. This has art by um, uh, Quapel, and it is it is stunning. Uh, Rick Remender is the writer, and there are some nods to um, to his Uncanny X Force. Uh, but primarily, when I get to the when I get past the first few pages. Uh, which kind of sets things up, and then you get to the to the present day. Um, I met with Wonder Man and the Wasp, and last I remember is Jana Van died died. So um, at no point does it say anything about how she came back when she came back. Um, so at first, I'm reading this kind of like as if because of what happened 
in the first few pages that this was kind of like an alternate um, reality bending uh, tale, but that doesn't seem to be the case. So um, Wasp is back, and as I'm as I think back about the issue, me trying to figure out when or how she came back is not. I, I stopped getting hung up on those little things, and I was just reading the story that Remender was telling. And um, it was it was a fine issue. I had it. it, it the art was was a huge thing for me to um, not get so caught up on the little things. But there were um, there were things that happened in the issue that uh, make me want to find out. Make me want to read the next issue when it comes out because uh, it, it ended with a cliffhanger. A couple of characters um, maybe didn't uh, quite feel or sound right, but for the most part, I thought it was it was a pretty good issue. And and it, I would, I would probably say, um, if if you want to go in blind or just not dwell on what happened in the past, you could read this issue. And um, and I think. It was there good. Was, I yeah. Overall, I enjoyed the whole issue. There's there's this speech that that Alex Summers makes, and um, and well, he, that was the controversial part. Lay it on us. What was it? You say you didn't like gay people. No, but see, you can Did he go I, all like Michelle shocked on us. Uh, Alex Summers wants people to stop using the M word, and you mm-hmm. might think because we've all read. God loves man kills. You might think the M word is mutie, but it's actually just the full on mutant. He wants. He doesn't want to be labeled. I'm not a mutant who just whose name is Alex Summers. I'm Alex Summers who happens to be a mutant, and I, I get where he was going with it. So it's controversial. Well, yeah, I, I don't get the blowback from. Yeah, this. see, Vince and I were talking about it earlier today, and and I'm not real sure where it, it just. I guess people. It seems to have been that was. That was that week's outrage, and and I think what also didn't help. Well, at least they got something new this week. Well, yeah, they did, but I, I think what what didn't help um, this issue's cause was was I guess Remender's reaction to some of the fans who who read the issue, and and I'm not I'm not going to cast judgment on on Remender based on what some of the things that was said to him. I probably would have reacted the same way, but. Um, basically you could either read the, the speech and just, you know, move on and, and, and nod your head in agreement, or you could say that, well, I could just, you know, instead of mutant, I could put in the word Muslim or Jew or homosexual or anything else. And, and people just seem to have gone off on on why why after all these years all of a sudden Marvel or Alex Summers has a problem with the term mutant and and they people were just really seem to have, were were over examining it that's that's dumb it's such an innocuous speech though that's, it really is there's yeah. i don't think there's oh, anything in what Alex says to be offended about it's he's basically saying don't say gay, don't say Muslim, don't say black, don't say, you know. That's not what labels me. That's not who I am. Right. I'm not a label. I'm a person. I'm right. Alex. That's basically the message. And why, how could anyone construe that as being offensive, uh, offensive or racist or, um, incons- you know, inconsiderate? I don't get it. 
I just it's it's actually a pretty nice speech from the way I perceived it. It seemed common sense to me. It, yeah. Yes. Yeah, well, there you go, and that's why people lost their minds. But that's not right. Yeah, there was nothing. There was nothing to read into. It. But I mean, I, I, so so that one page aside, I thought overall, the um, the the issue was pretty good, and it kind of um, washed the taste away of of the first four issues because the the Cassidy art wasn't all that stellar, but the whole Red Skull storyline and trying to get the team together, it just it it seemed kind of kind of forced. It wasn't. I didn't think it was, it was Remender at his strongest, but this issue, this kind of feels like an Avengers story that also happens to have some X Men characters in it, and and I'm I'm I like where we are with issue five and probably going forward. I'm I'm, I'm glad I stuck with it. I'm glad I just didn't say okay, I read those first four issues and I'm done. Um, I really dug five, but like I said, there are things that happen in the issue where. A year or so ago, I would have wanted, I would have wanted footnotes or editor's notes, just something where, you know, it kind of clued me in. But here I was just like, all right, cool. I'm just going to hit the ground running. I'm just, I'm, I'm cool with it. So I, there may be some things in the very near future where I kind of want to know the way things are, but I figure it'll either be explained or I'll just go and seek it out. But I was just, I was a little, my initial reaction just when I turned the page and I see Wasp, I didn't think we were in present day Marvel continuity, but, but apparently we are. And it was, but like I said, that didn't, once I got past that, I was able to move on with the story and and thinking about it, I I enjoyed it overall. Jason's kind of quiet. Jason, are you there? I am. What did you think of that little speech? I mean, I'm I'm 100 with you guys. I, I mean, and it, it's it's. Uh, I guess I was aware of the the brouhaha with uh, you know, look, Rick Rick took some fire for this, and uh, and I, I just thought it was unfortunate, like from start to finish. I, I think he uh, and, and he he gave an interview to um, the site that shall not be named um, huh? last week about this sort of clearing the air, and he 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 comes right out and says he he deeply regrets. Uh, he he made a, an off color reference on Twitter about uh, people that didn't like the book could could drown themselves in hopeful piss yeah and uh nasty way to go yeah and and he and he and he apologizes in his interview and says that you know saying it at all wasn't wasn't right but you know he he had no idea when he was saying it that there was like this broader debate going on about like some kind of underlying like racial you know identity thing you know he was basically just reacting to i guess he was getting flamed by a lot of people that day and uh but but uh, you know I'm sure we all have further thoughts on this, but I am also mindful of the fact that it's not lost to me that as much as we, I think, have um, are open-minded and we have, uh, a, a, between the four of us, a, a very broad uh, set of views of the world, both religious, you know, spiritual, political, economic, you know, we, we, I think we're fairly, you know, open-minded as a collective in terms of the way we, we view the world. It's not lost to me, though, that no matter what we think on this issue – um, you know, we are for, for you know, uh, not for white quite guys. White guys. Yeah. White, um, white, I'm not guys. white. I'm Italian. <laughs> no, but I'm, I'm being I'm being serious though. I mean, yes. in the sense that that it's so. While I took the speech as completely innocuous and really just don't get it at all and don't think that there was anything to get, um, I cannot ignore the fact that a lot of the uh, uh, you know people, um, you know, uh, people that I think are. Uh, 
you know, minorities that we know that, that are also into comics didn't see it quite as black and white as we did. No pun intended there. I'm sorry. You know what I'm saying? Like they, 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 they had issues with it. Um, and and I I have to, uh, I have to respect that. What issues? Well, it's not for me to, I I can't, I can't defend that perspective. I I mean, can, is there, I mean, is is there anyone in particular that that we know that had issues with well, it that I mean, we can like have on to talk about it? Because I think that would be well, interesting. I mean, Let me guess. Daryl had issues. <laughs> okay. David Brothers at uh, at Comics Alliance had issues. Okay. Uh, um, you know there are a number of editorials out there by people of color that that wrote about this issue. And, and again, I I don't I'm not suggesting I agree with them, but I'm also suggesting I don't want to, you know. It's their prerogative to have their, their the opinions about you it, look sure. at the world, right? We don't. Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, yeah. But 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 all that being said, I genuinely believe, and I hope by now everyone else does, that Rick, who who we know personally, is not in any way, shape, or form racist. And I think it's really <laughs> offensive and crossing the line when people started calling him a racist because it's, of that. It's a, that is that is laughable. To, yeah, I mean that's the thing. Yeah, I mean, you, you it's could, laughable. You could take issue with. His choice. Look, we we do it all the time, right? We we take issue with characters we mm-hmm. be, we're both beloved characters of ours and say, oh, he would never, you know, they would never say that, right? <laughs> Even though they're just fictional characters and the writer is making them say it. So, so if you want to take an issue with with the storytelling trope of having you know a guy like Havoc say that in a speech, that's fine. You know, that's that's no different than any other you know fanboy moment that we've all had at times with our favorite characters. That's fine. But but when you start against suggesting that it's uh, Taking it to the extreme without really even taking a moment to think about the person on the other side of the table—that's what really gets me. And not to stay on a soapbox, but but that's really what got me about this whole thing the last few days with this saga thing. I mean, the world is just like it's like we're sitting on top of a a powder keg of yeah. raw emotion, and that yeah. mm-hmm. the world is just begging for things to be irate about. I mean, I, yeah. like it. I would say there were at least two dozen major news outlets. That were reporting this saga story in such a distinctly incorrect way. Um, not, not, not just incorrect, irresponsibly. That's what I mean. I mean, like, Irres- major- it's not incorrect. It's fucking irresponsible. And the people that that okayed those those stories should be either fucking sat down by their bosses or if they are the bosses they need to look in the fucking mirror and say you know what i need to slow my fucking roll because what what we did was irresponsible well i don't think it's and and it becomes a fucking joke whenever you talk about comics and comic journalism and how we've talked about for years there is no such thing as comics journalism and and what happened this week fucking proves it Right, but uh, the comic news sites aside, I mean, I'm talking about the 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 other news sites, like the major news sites that reported it. I don't think it's it's. I think it's a lack of information on their part because, as yeah. you know, it's it's they can't be steeped in every bit of pop culture. So when they but hear, they check, but they can check facts and they, they can check right, sources. They, they can. I mean, I think this is again, and I've seen it in sports, you know, on football, like I see it with sports. See it in everything. I see it, see it with, everything, with all yeah. things. There's such a, an importance now put on breaking the story first. Oh, speed. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And speed. And literally it's to the point where, you know, if you don't have a story within the two or three minutes of it on Twitter, you, you basically miss the story. Right. right. 
that that the idea of doing any fact checking has gone out the door. And, That's and what exactly my point. Lack of information. Practice. Right. Right. Yeah. Like, and again, if someone on Twitter is going to do this, or like you said, even a blogger on a on a comics news site, yeah, whatever, you know. Yeah, I'm not going to even, you know, that's that's. But, but that let's, stop, let's stop. Let's stop calling them news sites. First no, no, no. Of all. I'm just saying. Well, I'm, but my, I don't want to get caught up in those semantics. But I'm saying, like, to 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 back you up, Chris, and to say what you're get on to what you're saying, Vince. Like, I like the fact that like Reuters or USA Today or something would have picked this story up, and they're so eager to make sure they have the story five minutes after it breaks that they just take. The statement from Brian K. Vaughn, which says, my book was banned because of gay sex, and then put a headline out. Uh, Brian K. Vaughn comic book banned from on, on iTunes because of gay sex. I mean, literally, like, as like, why do any of these places have editors anymore? Because it, literally, dude, it was, it was, for, it was, for 100 years of journalism, you would have had to have, at least when you heard that story, called Apple's spokesperson and say, yeah. what do you have to say about the fact that Brian K. Vaughn said, and, and, None of those clearly they didn't do that because if they did they would have ta- it would have taken more than three minutes to post it, and I just think it's an embarrassment of journalism in general. And and I am on my soapbox, but again, this is not a comics thing. This is a journalism thing. I see it all the time in sports now too. I cannot tell you how many things about like football that we get through football guys is reported on these sites that everybody watches as though it's gospel when it's all when 80% of it is just speculation a beat writer speculates about something cuz he wants to get his name in paper and it gets picked up by 27 news outlets instantly gets put on twitter and all of a sudden everyone's like oh my god so and so is getting traded or oh my god so and so is uh, going to get the coaches in his doghouse and it's purely bullshit backed up by no fact simply because someone said it and everyone else is desperate to not mirror that they heard it too so that they can say that they were on the story and it's just very frightening to me because you know i'm sure you guys grew up with in history classes the idea of yellow journalism and you know jingoistic journalism and the state-controlled media i think we've gone like completely on the other side of it now like 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 state-controlled media was not good but now we're in this world where like literally everything is just digested first and then people get outraged over the nuances of it, and then you find out like the details, and then decide whether you should have been outraged or not, or did you misunderstand it? And like it's so cockamamie to me, it makes me want to turn off all the noise. You are, like it's just crazy yeah, to me. Dead on. Jonah, it, Jonah it was, Jameson never would have published it. He would not have. No, Perry it White was, wouldn't even was, have let it in the door. It was in have. the uh, the Red Eye this morning, which is uh, Chicago's commuter newspaper that the Chicago Tribune. Uh, publishes and I just I saw I saw the the link to it on the web today and I was like please what Elliot Serrano is 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 a is a somewhat of a butt of mine oh yeah and and he's the the geek to me guy for for the red eye and he writes for dynamite and uh, as, as a comics writer on top of uh, reporting for for red eye and I was like, please let Elliot have not written this. And it was, it was someone else. So, um, it, yeah, it was just was crazy, you know? And yeah, I mean, and- I took, uh, I mean, look, I, again, and, and to your point, Chris, I, there was an article on Comics Beat about it, which is one of the few comic sites that I do read fairly frequently because I think they generally do a pretty good job and they're not, mm-hmm. you know, they just post information and it's, they don't do a lot of editorializing. They just, you know, write, write this. So I, I actually do go there fairly frequently and I was really disappointed to see that they broke the story very quickly too. And the headline was, um, you know, Apple banned due to gay sex, uh, Saga 12 banned, uh, due to gay sex scenes. And, and <laughs> while the story wasn't written by Heidi McDonald, I took her to task in the comments because it's yeah. her site. Yep. She's the editor in chief. Everything that's on that site, she owns. And so I want her to come down on this guy that posted it or to post on there. My bad. I shouldn't have let this go up so quickly. Like, 
it's not like I hate that people are like, oh, she didn't write. It's her site. You know, we it, everything that goes on Bleeding Cool is written by Rich Johnson, but we sure are ready to crucify him every time something happens. Yep. Like, you know, like take – if you're going to be an editor-in-chief, own – what you're doing, like that's your role. So I just think, yeah, I'm really. I, I didn't even know if we we're going to get into this tonight, but but I, I'm I get I'm pissed off about this, like because again, I just think this is a microcosm of a much broader issue, and it's shitty. It's it's, <laughs> it's it, no, it is. It's shitty. It's just shitty. I don't know, like not that we consider ourselves journalists, but I, but I mean, no, I, just, I have a great respect for journalism. Like yeah, in, we don't when it's in its pure form. I think it's no. pretty funny in fictional terms anyway, uh, as far as the saga universe goes, that, uh, Prince Robot the fourth is gravely wounded and he's dreaming about friggin' wagon wheels. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's, that's the best, great. man. And that's the other thing about this that makes me so livid. It's one of our favorite comics, right? We all love it. It's an awesome book. And I would love to have seen that scene without right. hearing about all this and read it and I would have laughed my ass off. Yeah. Yep. They've, they've, you know? they've robbed us of something. That, that's one thing that the media does all the time. And Rich Johnson is one of the main offenders is we're, we're kneecapped in terms of impact of our favorite comics. Because, I mean, if we're stupid enough to go there, we deserve what we're going to get. But in this instance, it was a big story. And, you know, was curiosity. It? Was it? In, in our circles, yeah. It was, it was much ado about nothing is what it was. Right. But the way it pervaded the, uh, the comics, Online comics yeah, verse. Okay. It, it was all the, over. The, the thing was, it wasn't the story. The story was the story. Right. But I wish I you could know, have the, turned the that rea- page. The reaction to the story. And went the into story, the, and that's it. the wagon wheel fresh. Because that would have yeah. been a, a major. I would have been, you know, like Jason, I would have laughed my ass off. On, on, a, on, a, pos- on a positive note, I, I guess the, the, only, the only real positive that I pulled away from it was that it was, it was very interesting to me to see so many people getting up in arms and taking note of not not just you know a sub, quote unquote a supposed ban of a comic from a digital um distribution but just one channel of dis, of digital distribution mm-hmm. um through um you know through apple which wasn't wasn't the case but you know what does it say about the state of of digital comics that it's getting that much pub that it's i mean digital comics have come Oh, I mean, can you imagine this happening three years ago? It's just a nasty reminder that the entities that disperse our favorite periodicals have a lot of friggin' power. Mm-hmm. Diamond sure. has a lot of power. Diamond can make or break careers if they want. I mean, we've seen it a million times. A book doesn't meet the minimum order cutoff, they don't carry it. Or a, a book has you know, somewhat objectionable content refuse to carry it and in this case we've seen it in the digital distributors right. now and it's just it's just a, a nasty reminder that the 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 true power is wielded by the people that sell these things not the people that buy or make them sure yeah yeah see what yeah. you got us into david i will say fiona staples draws a mean dick <laughs> very nice. nice very nice dick <laughs> well 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 done fiona some reference involved there yeah i, I was one of the models <laughs> and that wasn't well, the face. Christopher, do you want to talk about something? Because aside from the past, you know, ten minutes, you haven't been on last episode, and you were pretty quiet the episode before that. So do you have anything? Yeah, I know. Done? I was busy reading a bunch of comics that you all aren't going to let me talk and talk about. Well, here now you have your That's forum. Go to it. No, I can't talk about them until next week. 
Oh, I get it. I get it. True. Well, I, I can I talk about something that I won't spoil. Sure. I, I will not spoil it because I know Chris, you are still reading it. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure Wood has read it all, and I don't think David has read it. I'm, I'm talking about the um, Court slash City of Owls storyline oh, yeah. in, in Batman that uh, Scott. Do not spoil this. I, I will not spoil it. Also, yeah. That uh, Scott Snyder and Papi Capullo have uh, lovingly crafted. Um, I read both hardcovers, and I, I have to be honest. I think the, the skill uh, on display is pretty much um, a high watermark for Batman, at least in the past 10 years, right? Um, but Volume 1 is way stronger than Volume 2. Well... And so it's an event? It does become an event, but the books I got are just the Batman part of it. Right. Like, oh, okay. you, you could get, you could have bought the whole um, City of Owls when it spilled off in, or, yeah, mm-hmm. City of Owls, when it spilled, spinned off into, spun off into Batgirl and, and Nightwing and all those books. But they're not essential to the storyline, as this proves, because I was completely satisfied um, with some reservations at the end. So, um, no, I think what they've crafted is really sharp, but the first volume is a lot stronger than the second volume. Um, was I happy with the way it ended? I'm still not sure. And it, because it, 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 there is an ending of sorts, but there are two things about the book that, that really gave me pause as I was reading it. And I didn't, I didn't, initially, I didn't know whether I liked it or not. And um, to, to be as vague as possible, um, Scott Snyder introduces something into the Batman mythology that doesn't look like it's going to go away too soon. And while I, I admire the dude for not only, one, becoming the regular writer of Batman, but two, pissing in the corner in a way that you know is going to be really hard to scrub off. Um, I don't know if it was entirely necessary. Jason, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, no, I do. Um, don't, yeah, yeah don't yeah, spill it, but. Go yeah, ahead. Say, uh, no, we can't. It'll no, ruin it no, for you. No, no, no so, uh, yeah, I get what you're saying. I mean, uh. I mean, it, it, it's, at first I was like, how can the man who had very detailed dossiers on every member of the superhero community, at the very least, built a satellite to track them all how could this thing go uh how could he not follow this this information trail to its conclusion i mean he accepted what he was given and then he pulled back and forgot about it like that well, that to me doesn't speak of bruce wayne slash batman think, though, that, man, see i guess i mean i'm seeing it like on the same side of the uh, on, like, on the other side of the same coin though which is that I think what Snyder was trying to say is that even someone as meticulous and unbelievably observant and, you know, a guy who builds in redundancy after redundancy and is always doing, he's the perfect contingency planner. Even someone like that at their core has some component of their, you know, their, their, their mind space, like because of personal history that might lead them to make an uncharacteristic uh, uh, mistake out of, you know I mean? out of emotion, yeah, yeah. And, and it it also speaks a lot to the power of the court, 
I mean, if they can scrub something like that, well, and that's the other thing, right? I think, right, the the, the 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 what you're supposed to come away with, I think, is that this is is exactly that, like how unbelievably wealthy and influential must the court be to be able to have you know kept Bruce unaware for all this time, right? Right. You know, so um, I mean, I think in the in the laundry list of uh, leaps of faith we have to take to enjoy superhero comics, I, I didn't view that one as all that onerous. You right. Know I mean? I, like I said, it wasn't a make it or break it yeah. for me, but it just it just give it gave me pause for I, it, it's something that lingered after I finished the second volume. Like I'm, I'm still trying to come to terms with it, and I, I like it to a certain extent, and part of me doesn't want to believe it because it it doesn't cast. Bruce Wayne in the in the uh, infallible light that that I have that I see him in, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But and the second thing is again, Scott Snyder is creating something that, in in theory, will never go away in the DC universe, and that's the Talon character characters. Um, and it, it was the one thing. This is the thing that bothered me the most about the story was that as a last lapsed mainstream comic book reader. One of the things that, well, two of the things that caused me to lapse was the nasty two words, healing factor. Cannot stand the concept of the healing factor. And two, mm-hmm. I, I don't like healing factors. Like Wolverine, I, I, yeah. y- you would have to put a gun to my head, I think, to let make me enjoy a Wolverine story. Oh, no, killing. no offense to you. No, I just, I, 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 I think, me, I think Healing Factor is limp dick. Nah, that's Two of my favorite characters in the world have Healing Factor. I know, I know, and um, uh. reincarnated characters really bother me. Whenever we see characters come back, and that's the mechanic of the talent. So those the, those talent guys are never really going to go away from the DC universe. It's smart if you're Scott Snyder. But if you're someone who's sick to death of both of those things, when these characters appear, it's like, well, whatever. Okay, just let's just see what Batman does. I don't care, you know, what the talent does. I want to see how Batman reacts to it. That's cool. But you know, those two things—they weren't major stumbling blocks. The the latter was bigger than the 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 former. But overall, I thought this story was great, and and because it was mostly. Wonderful. That's why I have to kind of pick at the two things, the two faults I did find in it. You know what I mean? The art's fantastic. The story's great. It's smart. All the characters are are dead on. It's exciting. There's a mystery and there's horror and there's superheroics. I think it's it's really one of the top Batman stories that I've read in a long, long, long time. Probably since I started reading Batman. It's great stuff. You know, and and obviously the market agrees because it's a pretty big seller right not that that matters but people no, are people yeah. are grooving on batman and mm-hmm. and rightly so it's a good time to read it because it's a great book but um and did you hear did i read this right that snyder and capullo have signed on past issue 50 like yeah they both signed oh. multi-year multi-year exclusives which that's uh, great yeah, was, wow. was strange yeah. i mean at a time when marvel and dc are shedding exclusives like like the plague uh they're they're uh they, yeah, they lock those guys up so yeah, uh, and my absolute favorite issue has to be the labyrinth issue. I, I, that was a great issue. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I think yeah. that that's the peak. It's really yeah, it perfect, really sharp. Perfect comics right there. Yeah, but uh, and it's it's cool. Um, 
in the this the city of owls you get i guess there was a batman annual and and you get storylines uh about alfred's father which are really neat i like i i love that that chapter and they're drawn by um uh let me get the book jason loves him he's um Raphael, no, is it Raphael Albuquerque? Yeah, Raphael Albuquerque draws oh, it. Oh, nice. It's He's good. Oh, my God, is it good. It's really sharp. I don't know what to think about out. this Harper Row character either. Well? Yeah. She seems like she was just tacked on. No, I don't think anything Schneider's doing is tacked on. I yeah, maybe you're right. All in all, great stuff. I, All right, I, I'm gonna read. I'm gonna I'm gonna read it this weekend. Yes, and and then you come back and tell us what you thought. Nice. And, and what I was um, uh, talking about earlier, uh, which can kind of be a, a preemptive in your travels. I think we're gonna try and talk about the first 25 issues of Wasteland next week. Yay! Yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yes. All right. Yes. Good. Good. Um, well, in the meantime, Vince, we can talk about the. Um, you, you want to chat about Volume Four of uh, Planet of the Apes? <laughs> I'll let you do it because I want to. I want to revel in your enjoyment of the book. I'll I'll, I'll interject. I'm sure you will. Uh, but uh, uh, fantastic! Um, it, this is not a, a, a reimagining. Um, this is um, this is an all new story set in a uh, a different time period of the. Planet of the Apes that that we know from from the movies. This takes place how many hundreds of years before um, Charlton Heston? Um, um, I believe Planet of the Apes takes place three hundred years. Okay, and I think um, the Hardman Betchko stuff mm-hmm. takes place fifty no, fifty or twenty years before. It's like Taylor's. twenty years. It's yeah, not, it's yeah. not that because it still has some of the same characters from the like Zayas movies. Is in it. Yeah. So. Uh, well, this takes place. This takes place eh, three hundred ish years before the event, the events of the Planet of the the original Planet of the Apes movie, um, and it is uh, it's a time when uh, humans and apes are are still coexisting and humans are are still able to speak they are um industrious but they are rapidly becoming the the lower class and the working class of society and the apes are are becoming the ruling class uh and are and are actually um getting to a point of being entrenched as as the ruling class and so there's a uh, uh a part of uh, uh the city which is is divided like a lot of cities into into an upper and, and lower class, and the lower class is called Skin Town, and that's where the 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 humans that's, live. That's the pejorative term for it. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's called South Town, but the apes call it Skin Town. Yes, exactly. And uh, and the the kind of hero of of Skin Town is the mayor. And we've we've talked about the series uh, before. The the mayor is a woman who is through the majority of the series is pregnant. Well, at the uh, roughly around the end of volume three, she has her her child in the middle of a full on revolt, 
and things have things have gone to uh, hell in a handbasket, and for a lot of different uh, political reasons, as as well as the the socioeconomic ones, and there there are outside forces that are uh, that are kind of pouring uh, kerosene onto the onto the open fire of this revolt. Well, she has her child, and the child ends up in the uh, um, the custody of of the apes and, and one ape in particular who was kind of her, I, I guess you want to call her not half sister, but adopted adoptive sister right. who is now, who is now the, the leader of, of, uh, of this particular, um, city of apes. And, uh, uh, so volume four is a 10 years forward story. So uh, the mayor and the rest of the rebellion have been off building their forces, recruiting an army, and are planning their um, their taking back of of the city. And it starts with with her son and him being abducted from from the ape city. And it's really the, this last volume is I, I think more about him than than anything else and it's you know it's very action-packed and some of the characters that you would grow like nicks general nicks that you would grown to to hate but also respect are back in this and and it's kind of the um the the pseudo parents of um of the mayor's son and so you see kind of what is going on in yet another conspiracy that is going to turn the the city and all of the characters on their head again so no it was you know without giving away too much because i want people to to read it it's just it's it's a really really fantastic um more politically charged than than you would maybe um, guess which always kind of surprises me that Vince likes it so much. Is yeah, but there, it, it's, there's so much politics. In there it. is, you're right. Yeah, but not at the expense of action. The action oh, it's keeps action, action packed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I think it's great, and and if you like it, you you need to follow it into the specials because there's going to be well, there's one current special called Planet of the Apes Special Number One that is the first part of the wrap up. I mean, the series is is done. They've they've uh, I don't want to say canceled. They've ended the series, and they're going to wrap up the the long storyline in two one shot specials. The first of okay. which is out there, and wow, the 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 uh, the ape feces does hit the fan in a big big way. Well, one one of the things when we've commented about it before is that if you are if you're a fan of the apes movies, this works so well and it adds to the tapestry there are i mean you find out why things happen the way that they did it really is become canon for for the apes universe and yeah. it's just it is absolutely brilliant it some, is. Of the, some of the little moves that uh, that gregory has been able to uh to, to weave in there and yeah it's uh it's been one of my um, consistently favorite titles for about a year now. I, I really, uh, surprisingly, because I I always like the Apes, but it's not it's not a movie franchise that I went nuts over. Um, and yeah, I I really enjoy the the heck out of it. It's good stuff. It just shows you how tenuous that that whole society was when the death of one ape 
can cast throw everything into chaos. Um, in, in the in the very first issue, the lawgiver who was the stability, he was the one that was preaching, um, you know, uh, unification and let's live together and 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 let's be compassionate with let's with, live together. yeah with our brothers. And the lawgiver is assassinated mm-hmm. by a human. Um, and, and because of that, there's a power vacuum. The lawgiver's granddaughter steps in there, and she is not too kind to humans. So um, it makes a bad situation even worse. And what she does is she goes back to the lawgiver's scroll, and she changes the message. Yep. The, the original lawgiver's message, the message of, of compassion and, 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 let's just say, brotherly love, she perverts it to her own end. She rewrites it. And so when the movies start, that's the message that, that's, that's that off, trails yeah. through those movies. So Gregory, in effect, changes uh, Ape's history, but he doesn't. At least not for the movies. It's it's really smart. No, he, he explains. Things. Yeah, it's very yeah. smart. Oh, and uh, I guess one of the other uh, pieces of of note is that you're starting to see with the humans the first mutes are being born, mm-hmm. and so there are more and more each each generation. Right, right. And so that it kind of starts to. You don't know why. It's not explained, but it, that is that is part as you get to the movies and and how people are are unable to talk this this kind of shows where that where that started it only takes 300 years for for humanity to go from intelligent reasoning creatures to mute you know savages and 300 years is not a whole lot of time nope. i mean i mean look at our history 300 years we, I mean, we were. Ba- I mean, yes, we have technological advances now, but we're still basically the same mm-hmm. in, in terms of, you know, at least biology and. Hell, the Cubs haven't won a World Series <laughs> in hundred years. I mean, <laughs> but no, I think it's a fascinating series. I was kind of ticked when it, when it it went away, but at least we're getting a. a, a, a I'm, I'm sure we'll get a satisfying ending. I hope so. Yeah. Um, if if the first special is any indication. <laughs> Oh my god. I gotta track it down. Ooh, lordy. (laughs) Love it. And, and Carlos Manio on art. Man, he really surprised me. Oh yeah. Exceptional. Very good art. Yeah. Uh, and then he was scooped up for another series. He's doing, what is it, Deathmatch? He's doing for Boom? That, that's getting rave reviews. Um, Rich Johnson was all over that. That doesn't mean it's, that doesn't mean it's good. I'm just saying. It was a big to do over there. It sounds like you're spending more time on that site than you are on. Oh! I, I want to punch myself in the nuts every time I go there. It's like, why am I here? But I'll tell you, I have a compulsion. I'm compelled to go there every day. I want to see what. I do not. I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm such a sucker. Hmm. David. Yes, sir. What did you think of East of West, player? Oh, you had to go there. I. I, oh, see, I had to keep checking the cover because I'm like, wait, this is Hickman. I had to. <laughs> Dragota's art is stunning. It's awesome, right? And the the character designs, the, yeah. the the cities, the backgrounds, just the way that the aftermath from the bar, or as we're 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 watching, just 
the, the the backgrounds of the cities and 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 piles of of bodies and I mean it's it is dense. There is a lot going on there, even though it's not text heavy or 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 a lot. It's not a wordy comic, but it there is just um, it's as I was thinking about it this morning. It's it's very close to how I felt reading the first issue of Saga. It, Told it, you, see, bam! It is, it is it is like where I where I think Saga was a little bit more of of the um. Well, uh, just for the blanket term, the, the the perfect comic with the first issue and getting everything set up and and, sure. and introducing people like it. It was pretty much laid out. You knew who everybody was by the time you read that last that first issue of, of Saga. You knew all the, all where all the pieces on the board were. Here, not so much. We were introduced with a lot of people, but we're just not. And 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 as you read the issue. You definitely pick things up, like the four horsemen and and um, it's obviously something is amiss there. Uh, but you know, um, the uh, you you have death and 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 you have bear and crow and just I mean it, the designs, the art is at, the art is what it's that had me just I was soaking in it. I I absolutely it, it was so damn visually appealing it it's i really have it, no words. It's, i don't uh, i don't know draco the situation but man i would love to have a piece of his work from this seriously yeah yeah i usually see him set up and and um i haven't really spent time looking at uh at at his table flipping through his portfolio or seeing what he's working on but he um he is it's yeah, I've I've looked at Vengeance. I I remember his Fantastic Four work. I've I've seen him. I I just he he kind of has that that all red feel to it. But it just it with this with, with East of West, it just it it's it's almost next level. It just yeah. I I need to see where it's going from here. And it's not even that um like again. I right, just to bring it back to Saga. I. There were, there are characters. There are a few characters in Saga that that I'd like and I want to read more about. And East of West is really just kind of one, maybe two characters where I'm like, I you can just keep giving me this dude and and I'm good to go. Where, um, I'm sure the whole story is will will be a sight to behold once once it finishes, but. Um, Right now, I'm I'm all about I'm all about seeing where where death has taken us. It was it was a really really good first issue. So so thank you for that. I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, you'd be nervous there for a second. You're like, oh, you had to go there because <laughs> I was like I was like, man, do I really? But yeah, I just I wasn't sure if I could articulate it, and I kind of didn't. But I just needed to yeah let let, let, let you know you you done good on that one. Cool, cool. We should do a few live tweets. What's that? Sure. Still do that? Yeah. Do that? <laughs> All right. How about our man Dan Pua? Because I mean, he asks eight hundred questions a week, and it's been a couple weeks since we've asked one of his. There's questions. my boo right there. Who this? Dan's my boo. 
Oh, easy, bro. Uh, he wants to know our favorite and least favorite fictional comic book gods. Um, hmm. This is least favorite is Stan. You dick. <laughs> you dick. That's funny. Oh my god, that was good. <laughs> I don't know. I don't even think I ever thought about it. Uh, well, uh, let's see. Crickets. I, re- I really like what Azarillo is doing in Wonder Woman these days, kind of redefining that's a good, that. That's uh, a good answer, Chris. Yeah, yeah. that that whole group. I think War is awesome in the in the new Wonder Woman. I like Layton's Hercules. You, you like who's Bob Layton's? Well, I was going to say Hercules in general. I, I think. Right, but there are. I mean, I I remember Hercules from being the event on the Avengers with by by Stern and um, with with, with Bashim and Palmer on art. But I think he kind of just he's a little bit stuffier there. I I, I like the uh, the Prince of Power series. I I like what um, what Van Lente and and packed with the character. Um. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I don't. Um, that's one I haven't really thought about. Yeah, I'd have to use the old fallback on on the new gods. I mean, it's pretty compelling stuff. What about least favorite? Granny that? goodness always was one of my. Oh, oh Granny goodness is awesome. <laughs> nah, dude. Yeah, she's awesome. Come on. Nah, son. So <sighs> you fat, thatcher looking chick telling you what to do. I mean, uh, God and Preacher is pretty cool. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, how about the old, um, how about the god, the Judeo-Christian goddess portrayed by Eric Larson in Savage Dragon? That was pretty damn cool. Or, or in Spawn. Don't fuck with God. How about Promethea? Yeah, that's true. It's a good one. Yeah. All but right, I, well, Dan, now that we've shit all over your question, but. Really? Um, <laughs> he, he stumped, kind of stumped us in a way. Yeah. Uh, oh, here's a good one. Andy Tom would Beyond, like to know. Beyonder. Beyonder was my least favorite. <laughs> there you go. Okay, I'll agree with you on oh, that one. Jer- Jerry Curl Beyonder, yeah. It's... Don't be messing with Beyonder. That's my boo. <laughs> um, is, uh, Andy Tom wants to know, is Chris going to return to the show full-time someday, or does he just make occasional appearances like The Rock in WWE? Ha fucking ha. <laughs> <laughs> I had car issues last week. Uh, uh, our boy. I had to uh, live for my wife. Our boy Onomar, Mr. Ortega, he would like to know, uh, super spell on the forums. Uh, how is the forum banner chosen when it's time for a change? Is there a set time frame or is it a whim? It's completely freaking random. It yes. is. It, it's just that if I have scans of something that looks cool, I'll format it and throw it up on the, the, the banner, which I admit needs to be changed. Speaking that uh, Clint Langley image has been up there for a that, long time. That, that's easy. I guess putting a forum banners up is easier than, than a table banner. Yeah, can't wow. build forum banners and throw it my way in a file. <laughs> Got two weeks, buddy. I need to basically shit or get off the pot. That's really funny. The role of Dick Douche on this episode of Eleven O'Clock Comics has been played <laughs> by David really Price. Funny. <laughs> really funny. Um, let's see here. Uh, June Bob, Mr. June Bob Kim, would like to know if. We have any plans at C2E2 for, uh, for uh, you know, in-con re- recording? Um, we did. I gotta get my shit together. Yeah, we did maybe. that last year, didn't we? No, the no, we two did years it. ago. We two did. years I ago, wasn't there right? Last year to say so. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, I think we'll have a hand recorder at a minimum. Oh, for the car, we have to do that. So, we set a precedent. Yeah, I mean, that I was fun. That we're going to put too much pressure on ourselves to formalize anything, but David yeah. and I had great fun in that car ride, both of them, didn't we? Yes, we did. We yeah, did. it was we awesome. Did. Yeah, you guys should totally at least record in the car. Yeah, we. Yeah, did. Yeah. You want coffee? Yeah. Oh, I'll have coffee. Uh, yeah. yeah why not? Not? <laughs> Who is that? Yeah, but, oh. What's on, the, what's on the back of that, that motorcycle guy's jacket? What is that? <laughs> Here's one that I, I like. Why is Jason sticking screwdrivers in his ears? <laughs> Here's one I appreciate the question, but I I, I don't know that we're gonna we're, we're drunk enough to to answer it uh, tonight. Mr. Uh, Rob C. Vela asks uh, two parter. Uh, number one, who is the one person you're looking forward to seeing the most at C2E2? That one will probably be one to answer. Uh, but uh, <laughs> second part is who's the one person you're avoiding? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll tell you, Rob, I would answer you this. There probably is an answer to that second question for each of us, but we probably aren't going to go there. We're going to be diplomatic. Yes. Um, in terms of the – well, again, uh, all schmaltz aside, I mean I'm, I'm most looking forward to seeing you three and then the rest of the, you know, the, the buddies that we're going to be hanging out with. So that's yeah. – but I, I'm, I'm thinking he maybe means more like creator-wise. Creators or attendees mm-hmm. type of thing. So – uh, you know, I, I know, I, I know, be- I, I know. I've about got my jam piece um, narrowed down for who I want to to work on that. So cool. So that's, I got the hot list for that. So are you going to share that or? Um, I want to get uh, and now it's all JLA mem- JLA members. So uh, I want to get an Umberto Ramos creeper. I think would be pretty sweet. Yeah, that looks pretty fly. Yeah. Uh, Amanda Connor. Uh, I don't know if I want to get a, get her to do Power Girl or anyone but Power Girl. I think yeah. anyone but Power Girl. Um, and then, oh gosh, there was um, who else was I thinking? Um, Scotty, maybe. Um, even though I've got some art by Scotty, so I may, I may go to to someone else. Um. But um, I don't know. Who are you guys excited, sketch-wise, there? Sketch. I may I may cut in line in front of Jason and get Jimmy Chunk sketch. <laughs> sketch-wise, yeah. I mean, I'm not really, you know, uh, I mean, I have, this is shaping up to be an interesting year, for, as we've talked about on the forums in terms of OA. Um, mm-hmm. There are a couple things at play, and I'm really interested to see how this con is. I, I think because the industry is doing better. You know, which it is. I mean, it is generally doing better. Um, I, I I feel like uh, artist prices are seeing quite a bit of inflation. Mm-hmm. And you know, hey, like I say, always, I'm always the first to say more power to them. Because um, if they're charging higher prices and they're still their lists are filling up on the first day, then they're doing something right. Mm-hmm. But you know, I still haven't made the psychological jump to where like I'm willing to pay the prices I think I'm going to need to pay to get some pieces done. Um, and and for some reason this this year and I I was talking about this on Twitter a bit with even like some some creators like uh, like Scotty and uh, and some other guys I, I I really struck out in terms of pre-orders like I I sent out probably close to thirty outbound emails to request really just touching base saying are you taking pre-orders if not like I'd love to you know mm-hmm. are you are you are you having a list you know I'd, I'd love to and, and genuine I mean I would say every con whether it be C2E2 or New York or any other that I've gone to that I've done this, I would say I always hear back from at least half of the 
creators. Many saying it'll be good to see, you know, you know, nice to hear from you. I'll, you know, see you at the con, but I'm not taking pre-orders. But, but you know, and then a handful do pre-orders. But this time, I heard back from maybe six or seven guys, and really? no one's doing pre-orders. So, really, this, yeah, it's going to be an interesting thing this year because, like, the people that I would most be interested in making sure I get done, like, I think I. I could show up and they're going to be like, yeah, it's 250 for a head sketch in which I'm going to be like, I'm out. Uh, yeah. uh, so, and again, that's no, I'm presuming these people are going to have full list by the end of, of Friday. So, so mm-hmm. that's fine. But for me, I don't, you know, my walls, I literally, as you guys know, my, my, my entire downstairs is filled with framed artwork. And so it's going to be hard for me to, to get excited about paying that much for, like a head sketch when as sure. in my eyes, like I, I could buy a piece of, you know, finished sequential art for that price. So, um, so I think my plan, Chris is to, long, circuitous way of saying my plan is really to, 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 to hit up the jam pieces. Um, you know, I've got two mostly complete that I want to hope definitely finish. And then I've got two more new that I'm going to bring with me and I'm just going to basically try and hammer those and, uh, and go from there. So, but I'm nice. actually, because I'm so uh, back into the wrestling tip, I'm really excited to uh, to meet uh, Jake the Snake Roberts and uh, Diamond Dallas Page. Damn right. That's funny. Yeah, that's DDP, funny. Dap. Oh, hey, Declan Shelby's going to be there. Yes, I, I, was, I, didn't, I, know, I didn't know Declan was going to be there. Along with Jordy Belair. Nice. Wonderful. I'm really Belair's stoked to, to meet Jerry Lawler. I hope he's there. He, he did a fantastic job on the Hall of Fame Awards. Yeah, no doubt. He, he did a great job. I, I would have mentioned him. I don't think he's not listed this time, though, right? He wasn't the the year before, but he was there, right, David? He, did, I don't know if I saw him. Are, last we, are year. we really going to do wrestling talk again? No, no. I'm just saying, but it's okay. hey, it's part of the show, right? Um, as far as the the uh, original yeah. art goes, I, I'm not a I'm not an original. No, We're going to start balancing this shit out with baseball. But who talk. are you? Who are you interested in meeting though the most, Vince? To be completely honest, the the one person I long to see every year, he makes a hell of an entrance. It's not because he gives me things when he sees me, but I I just I love the guy. He just has this aura of goodwill. I know it. Lance yeah, Kaiser. Man. Lance yep. Kaiser. Every I year I run sure. into Lance Kaiser, and it, it just it makes my freaking trip. Yeah. I, I, I can't put my figure on my figure. Well, maybe. I can't, I can't put my finger on it. The guy is just, he's like the ambassador of good feeling. I, I, I don't know what it is. I love him. And, and like I said, I look forward to seeing him every, I'm, I'm not to discount everybody else. I'm going to be with my friends, but that dude has something over me. I don't know what it is. Love him. Nice. Yep. He's um, awesome. Yep. Let's see here. Um, this, is, uh, this is interesting. One is it ties into – well, it, it used to tie into a main theme of our show, which is that we drink while we record. Not so much anymore, much uh, to Chris' chagrin. Uh, Paul Deathridge asks, uh, if you could sit at a bar and have a few brews with any living creator, who would you choose? And this isn't – I don't take this to mean like who's your favorite creator because that could be a person that you don't think would be particularly fun to hang out with. Like I, I would love to meet or, or speak to Alan Davis, but I don't know that he would be my choice to sit at a bar and have brews with because I don't know him at all right. personality wise, and I don't. Yeah, it could be a, a bust. It could be sort of a deflating thing, right? You, you could, if you spend too much time with someone, you can kind of be like, "Oh, a guy wasn't what I thought he was." So I got an answer. That's easy for yeah. me. Neil Adams. Stunned. That would be interesting. Yes, it would. Yes, it would. Neil yeah, Adams. 
and or Keith Giffen, because I think Giffen would start railing after a few drinks, just spitting venom about mm-hmm. all the all the downs in the industry. And I want I'd like to be cognizant of, of that part of because I mean you know we're all puppies and flowers. Yeah, mm-hmm. hey, comics are great, but I, I'd like to see the the dark side of it a little bit from a guy who's been around for decades. Sure. Yeah. Uh, mine's answer? right right on the the same uh, Steranko. Without a doubt. Oh, Chaken too. Yeah, Chaken. Strength, yeah, Steranko and Chaken would be freaking awesome. Oh, and by the way, um, you guys probably already talked. Did Did you talk about this last week? A moment of silence for Carmine Infantino. Yeah, 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 yeah yes. we did. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think for me it would be. It might surprise people. I think it'd be a Sal Buscema. Oh, Sal's awesome. Oh, oh number one, he's guy. he's getting up there. Mm-hmm. Number two, he's seen it all. He yep. has literally. He's a survivor. He has been, you know, talk about guys that were around when you read the Marvel the Untold story. I mean, Sal was there almost for the duration, man. He's 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 got windows into the, all those eras and and um, you know, it's it'll be the closest thing I'd ever get to really getting insight on John, who is, you know, yeah, probably my favorite penciler of all time and and I obviously he passed away long before I would, you know, we had the I had the wherewithal to to ever get a chance to meet him or speak to him, so I would love to hear Sal just talk about their time together and, and what is, you know, just he and his brother, what it was like just back then, kind of get just by osmosis, get a, a, a closer window into, to, into, uh, into his brother's yep. life. So. Jason, you know who you'd really click with? Um, Herb Trimpey. Love to talk to him. Oh, Herb he, he's, he's an amazing, and, uh, he goes lar- to a lot of cons. Just yeah. seems to be the ones that we attend. He doesn't go to like the, the giant ones, but he goes to a lot of the other smaller ones. Oh, I got another one. Jim Shooter. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> that would be that would be very interesting. <laughs> uh, for me, probably probably Casada because he's been he's worked everywhere. That's another good one, yeah. And I, just to get some insight on you know, the Valiant when it was hot, and then the the whole Azrael thing, Event Comics doing his own thing, doing it at. Uh, that Marvel, I mean, he has—he's been around. So yeah, that, that I, I just would like to some insight, some 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 old personal history too. So that's one. I'd like think I'd like to sit down with Jim Warren. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Is he still alive? Yes, I think so. I'm pretty sure. Oh, okay. I'm pretty certain he's still. Yeah, um, just to to get his take on the whole. Uh, notorious uh personality that has been built up ar- around him over the years. Mm. Uh June Bob asks um an- another question from June Bob. He has a bunch of questions tonight. He's feeling feisty, I guess. Um he said, "Hey, some kickstarters are raving successes while some barely meet funding. Um why and is pre-campaign marketing the largest factor?" Uh in my I I guess reasonably learned an opinion on this, I would say no. Pre-campaign marketing, pre-campaign marketing is not the largest factor. Um, but I do think that there is, is developing within the Kickstarter ecosystem this strange phenomenon where books' fates are largely being determined within the first few days of funding. They're either like mm-hmm. create instant heat and people are clamoring to jump on where they really struggle and have to do a lot of legwork just to get get barely funded. Um, 
and, and I, I don't think as I look to the ones in each category, sure, the ones that have gotten the most money, like the stuff that has raised the most has been stuff that already had a really big instantiated audience, right? But but I don't think it's necessarily pre, pre-campaign marketing. I think it's more they already had a an embedded buyer base, you know, whether it be mm-hmm. most of the stuff I'm talking about is like really popular web comics that are now being collected, right? But uh, mm-hmm. I think it has to be a confluence of things, right? We've talked about it. It has to be... First of all, it has to be a good product. You have to make an alluring campaign, meaning the campaign has to have a good video, a good hook. You need to have a real clear, you know, idea of what they're getting. I think the campaign has to be value, has to have value. That the, the tiers need to need to say to people. Basically, to my opinion, most of the stuff that gets f- funded, unless it's against something that has like already a, a big audience to itself, that. It's because they are offering you a product that likely you would have to pay for, you would be willing to pay for anyway. So it's not as though you're feeling you're donating money to these people. You're, you're feeling like you're just pre-buying the product you would already buy anyway. So, like, I think a lot of the campaigns that don't get funded, but, but yet people are like, why didn't they get funded? It's so cool. Or largely because the, the way that they've priced the tiers doesn't work. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're offering a, a, a hardcover, of basically trade paperback size content for 50 bucks, you know, well, you got to be pretty, you know, you got to be pretty huge fan of the person, the creator, like, and, and feeling altruistic to, to fund that. Right. Where, but, but I don't know. I mean, what do you guys think? I mean, I think there's no, there's no pure formula for this. And everyone thinks it's like this. I mean, I think there's no, there's no absolute formula for what succeeds and what doesn't on Kickstarter. But, but yeah. I do think there are things each creators can do to give themselves a much better chance to succeed. I see. I think it, the the success fail lies completely within the incentives. If your incentives are reasonable, you'll probably get funded if your work is of a certain level. But there, and and I'll be completely honest with you. Uh, I I don't won't name names, but there's a Kickstarter now featuring art from a guy whose work I absolutely adore, and. It's, um, the, the, uh, the focus of a book is, um, on a legendary bloodsucker, let's say. Mm-hmm. But, but the incentives are ridiculous. I mean, you don't get a physical book until you reach the $40 level. And then it's wow. only, it's only a 72 page book. Like, I'm gonna pay 70, uh, $40 for a 72 page book. I love the guy's art, but that's excessive to me. You know, yeah, you can opt for the digital, but when 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 it comes to a um, a guy like this, whose art, like I said, I like a lot, I want a physical copy, right? I think forty dollars too extreme for that. Um, and and if you look at the the uh, progress of the the thing, it's getting close to the wire, and they're a good distance away from their their funding goal. So I mean, I I can't wonder why. You know, it's it's pretty obvious the the incentives are. A little silly, you know. That's that's my opinion. I'm a cheapskate to a certain. Uh, ex- no, I am to a certain extent. I like to get value for my dollar, and I don't see it here. Mm-hmm. That the, uh, you know, your your your, your mileage may vary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that on. Yep, gentlemen. Yeah, and it's got to be. Well, and it's going to be something that you're interested in. It's like I'm starting to be a little bit, a little bit like Jason in that you you kickstart a lot of stuff, but it's not all comics related. Sure. And so there are Kickstarter projects that I see that I just 
I just um, helped fund uh, a project called um, 41 Pitbulls, which is a photography book uh, spotlighting 41 rescue pit bulls and trying to explain that the that the breed is 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 not the 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 killer you know killer dogs that everyone wants to make them out to be. That's something that's you know near and dear to my heart, and that's why I, you know that's why I helped fund it. And so I think that gets back to there has to be there has to be that hook of interest, and if if everything becomes crowdfunded projects it's i i think a lot of that will get watered down it has to be and, and those are the ones that don't make it so i mean it yeah the product has to be interesting it has yeah. to has to be eye-catching it has to um hold people's interest and i think we see the the really um successful ones are are exactly that you know ryan was incredibly successful with god hates astronauts but like uh, like Jason pointed out, there was there was already a foundation of of a readership there that has just been waiting for that to come into a collected edition that mm. had been reading the webcomic. But, but the years. perks were good. Yeah, I was going to say the perks were also terrific. You know, yes. you were getting yeah. you were getting a trade for a price that would cost you. You would have to pay for the trade anyway. You were getting a hardcover for you know basically the, the price, mm-hmm. and he was selling art and sketches and little fun you know tchotchkes very low incremental cost. I mean, I think he he ran a great campaign. And speaking well, and of that... He, and he, well, and he went to one of his friends who had run a couple successful Kickstarters and said, hey, what what worked for you? So he researched what worked for other people before he ever started to, to think about launching his own, which was very smart. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and Ryan will be one of my guests at the Kickstarter panel at C2E2 talking about how he did it. Nice. You know it. And while we're on the subject of of um, Kickstarter, did uh, any of you fund the Creature Box project? Yes. Did you get the book? Like I said, I I, I don't. If I did, I I need to go double check because I don't remember looking at it yet. But. Oh, good. I'm I'm designing characters for a, a project. You'll hear about later. And when I got this book, I got halfway through, and I said. You know what? I really have to up my game because these guys are <laughs> disturbingly good. It's it's all creature design, robot and creature design, page after page of these brilliant designs that and any one could be the highlight of a book. And there's just hundreds of them through the damn thing. Um, I think it if if we're going to rate the um, quality of our Kickstarter uh, funds, I'd have to rate the tome. Number one, just because the damn thing is impeccably produced, but this creature box thing comes in at number two. It's fantastic. Wow! Yeah, it's really good. Speaking of artists that own people, um, get ready because uh, we got a little sneaky sneak at uh, the new Jim Rug mm. product coming out from Madhouse. <laughs> Holy God! I was talking to Sal uh, about it a little bit today, and one of the reasons that we love. Uh, love Jim so much is that you can look at some of his work and it's like oh yeah there's some yeah it's some out there indie comic stuff and then he flips you around and and drops some illustration skills yeah. that are some of the the best I've ever seen and I'm an art director I mean the the guy is um, so multi talented can float from one style to the next he has 
this amazing sense of humor, but can do some just gripping serious work. That he's he's too good to. to we must destroy him. Yes, As, that's all no, I can. See, I think we, need blow, we need to blow him up. He he of all the creators that we've come to know and appreciate. Uh, I feel like he's the one that the rest of the world still hasn't figured out how amazing yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah, it's true. exactly. It's true. Blow up because he's way, like Chris said. Chris, uh, Jim sent us the uh, a preview copy of uh, of his uh, of uh, his his new thirty two page Super Mag Super Mag, which is uh, coming out through Ad House Books. I think it's forty eight uh, pages. Heard it, shame on you. Um, but it is just spectacular, and yeah. I just I look at it and I'm reminded to that first time I I heard of him with Aphrodisiac, and uh, I just I I got I I want the whole world to to, to know how awesome this guy is because because people are just they need to wake up see it. He almost sent me in a vapor lock uh, recently. Did you see the illustration he did of uh, Jason? From the from the Friday the Thirteenth movies, but he did it in the style of Jason, the Fanographics, ba- based <laughs> artist. It uh, is freaking. Oh, it's it's hysterical. The concept is brilliant, and it's just Jason standing there with the hockey mask on. He's got the the machete, just holding it up, and he's got a slump in his in his shoulders, just like all the characters that Jason, the artist, draws. It's amazing. The dude has he's he's got his head screwed on right. So I, I I love the uh, the Dick Tracy Die Hard image. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> All right, let's check the clock on the old wall here. Wait, we, we're gonna go. I want to go out with one more live tweet because it's. Oh, funny. we have time. Good, uh, Mister Mister Anti Drummer, otherwise known as Mister John Westoff, would like us to talk about, and everybody has to answer this. I'm saying it right now. Okay. Our most embarrassing convention moment. Oh, so many. Jesus. We've all had them, so <laughs> I, we got to at least give one. Um, I, I totally, totally Chris Farley'd on uh, Bruce Tim outside of Isotope, uh, <laughs> which would have been WonderCon. Yeah, I was yeah drunk and and got very... It, it was it was uncomfortable. It was bad, bad uncomfortable. You mean like you were like, hey, remember that time you drew that? Yeah, pretty that much. Cartoon? Yeah, yeah. It was not was not good. Not oh, good. really? No, no, it's not good. So, but it was a learning experience. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Only one flask of bourbon per. <laughs> it was. Not, I mean, yeah. I've I've puked on streets. I've yeah. It's. Many, many embarrassing convention moments, but that's okay. You got to go and have a good time, right? It's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you guys got? I was, uh, I was very, very similar to, uh, to the way Chris was to Bruce Tim to, uh, I was like that with Matt Wagner. Really? Yeah, but that yeah. was okay. You were fine. The second time. Yeah. Not, not the very first time I met him. Oh no! Really? What's that? That was, was that, that 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 was that was at a Wizard World. That was I, I went up to his table and he was sketching in the um, he, he sketched in my my Grendel archives hardcover and um, and you started licking it. I was well, no, thankfully, no. I waited for him to finish drawing before I did that. But it was uh. it, it was it was um, it, it it was fanboy gibberish. It just <laughs> the less the less said the better. Nice. 
I I can't think of any. I, I no really. Um, I was in. Because all Vince does is walk around and stick his head into boxes for three bucks. <laughs> he used to do that. Until he no, had, had I, I was embarrassed for Mark Texera, the oh, the, the time he got all drunk and sweaty in the elevator with us and started shoot, oh, yeah. shooting body fluids all over the place. And David yeah, was, was like, just like the time that he kept blowing off dabs. No, <laughs> that was that was funny too. Yeah, I don't know. If that was so much embarrassing though. I. Well, there was a time when L. Dave, I can remember L. Dave taking photos next to me, and it was of this chick who was in a Catwoman costume. Really hot chick. It was like, was it last year or the year before? I don't know, but she was, she was smoking hot and had the whip and everything. And naturally, you know, I look at things, and she totally caught me checking out the grand tetons and nice. and gave me this look but i wasn't embarrassed the, you know that's what i do um <laughs> that's what you do. <laughs> so, I, I don't know i mean you know she was very pretty uh but david were you ever embarrassed for me at a show that's what i that's my question were you any did i ever do anything embarrassed that i didn't pick up on as embarrassing huh oh wow you know i can't think of any for you because my head's always buried in a box. It's true. I want to be doing that this year for a nice I, chunk I, of time I did, too. I, I did enjoy you you sitting um, cross leg, kind of um, bobbing back and forth, and, and listening to, to John Romita Jr. Oh yeah, that was that was pretty interesting. You were fine for 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 Junior. Yeah, with he's, he's speaking <laughs> of comic book gods. There's one right he there. Left. You were a fucking gibberish. Whatever he idiot. smiled, Vince. Yeah. <laughs> now you got to remember that was before all of this. So yeah. I, I wasn't as sk- right, skilled right. at talking. I'm not saying I am now, but I was less skilled than I am now at talking. So yeah. now I'd be like, Junior, what's up? What's up, what's up y'all? What's up, Denny? Where's the solid gold dancers? One guinea to another. <laughs> He's what? awesome. I have two. They come to mind immediately. No kidding. Yeah. First one, um, it was, yeah, I guess it was, it was one of the C2E2s. Uh, we went to a bar. It was like a sports theme bar. But <laughs> the back room, <laughs> room of this bar that night was all the Marvel muckety mucks. <laughs> and uh, our good buddy, now image muckety muck, uh, Ron Richards. Uh, invited us back to hang out with the Marvel peeps. So I was doing so, and it was a great time. Got to meet all measure of those guys. Kusada, Hickman, a bunch of other dudes. It was a great time, great time. But I was absolutely trashed. And um, one of the guys we were hanging out with the entirety of the of the evening was Joe Keating, who is uh-huh. now you know, the writer of Glory and uh, a bunch of Morbius and a bunch of other stuff. But at the time, Joe was in a uh, like a, a PR biz dev role at Image. Mm-hmm. I guess a role probably not dissimilar to what Ron's doing now. I mean, not not quite. No, he was, he was he was a marketing director at Image. Yeah, marketing director. Thank you. So this wasn't like I was I was introduced to him, but this was like we were hanging out, like speaking for much of the night, and then like as the night goes on, I'm so smashed that uh, we were going to say goodbye, and I I didn't remember his name, <laughs> so. So I, was like, I was like, "Yeah, good. You know, it's good meeting you." And I couldn't remember his name, and he was just like, "Buddy, 
I'm like, oh, that's right. So that was embarrassing for sure because, again, it was like <laughs> it was like, you know, it was a guy that was actually talking to and another friend around. It just was, you know, that was a personally embarrassing moment. The other one, <laughs> which David witnessed, <laughs> was was uh, we were walking around Artist Alley looking for, for people to draw my jam piece. <laughs> and uh, David had the fantastic idea of getting a certain uh, silver and bronze age no no i'm sorry bronze and modern age creator who was at the table without any line to go mm-hmm. up and ask him if he'd be interested in doing uh, a square in my avengers jam piece of a character that he's pretty much synonymous with yeah and uh it was going great <laughs> but the thing is this gentleman had a very young woman sitting with him mm. and uh we were speaking to them both and she made some comment, which oh, I've forgotten the exact comment, but she was she made some like kind of like words of wisdom type of comment. And uh, I, I said something. Was this in New York? Yes. Yes. Ah, uh, okay. Something yeah. to the effect of like, oh, that, that's, uh, that's like words to live by. Did your – something like, did, did your, your, your dad tell you that? Wow. <laughs> Meaning the, the artist. And <laughs> they were like – she, she's not my daughter. <laughs> and then I realized, like, it wasn't his daughter. It was, like, his, his girlfriend. <laughs> and he's in the middle of drawing my jam piece at this moment. <laughs> so I'm, like, convinced he's about to, like, just take a giant Sharpie and just X out my entire <laughs> To his credit, ever the professional, he, uh, it was like water off a duck's back to the dude. And he just, uh, he drew a kick-ass square for me. But, uh, it's but good work if he can get it. I think I know what square that was. Highly embarrassing. <laughs> and anyone that sees me at the con this this coming two weeks from now would like to know that person. I'm happy to tell you. I just don't want to put that person on blast on there. So yeah, but you know what? For me, running into people, especially people that know me and I don't know them, it it creates these little moments of excitement and uncertainty. And my mind doesn't work as it normally does, especially when there's like more than one person, I get like excited and I'm trying to remember who this person is, who that person is. So I tend to forget names. Sure. And, and it, because just because I'm trying to soak it all in and I fail every time, uh, because it's just, it's one of those moments, you know? And, and so if I do not get names right, it's, it is my fault, but it's, he's let me off the hook yeah. <laughs> just a little it's bit. Fun, guys. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Well, yeah, and on that front, Vince, I mean, I think it's, uh, this kind of speaks back to last week when we were doing the Con Etiquette stuff. Um, again, not to suggest for any second that we're anybody, but, but like, I, since we've had it happen at every show, do assume that we want to meet you, but then also assume that you may need to help us a little bit in making the connection. Like, the lots of times people have been like, hi, I'm Bill. And you're like, great, you meet you, Bill. And I, I get that you were introducing yourself because you've either listened to the show or on the forums. But it would be like super helpful if you're like, hey, I'm Bill from so-and-so. I go by this on the forums, right? Because then I'm like, oh, hey, you know, because it's just like help make the connection a little bit so that we – you know what I mean? I, I just – like I try and always do that, right? If, if if I introduce myself to someone, I try and put some context to how they – why they may care beyond that I'm just saying hi, my name. You know what I mean? Yes. Like it just it makes it less likely where we're going to stand there and be like, oh hey, because you know, I mean, otherwise we don't know where to start having a conversation, right? True. So you know who else I love to see? 
Andy Jewett and uh, John Kulsar. Those those two guys too. Yeah. I, I, lo- I always love to see them. Absolutely. So you're picking um, favorites now. This is a problem. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. But Andy, I don't. Andy wasn't there last year. No, well, he wasn't. No. So it's been two years since I. Plus, I think the last time I saw Andy was at a CGS show. So it's been, it's been a while since I've hung with our boy Andy. A hot minute. Yeah, and John, um, I haven't seen in a while. So we need to we need to get with that. No doubt. Although right. I am, I am, I. I could go ahead and and throw names out that people we hung out with last year. Um, like Zach, like Bob Gar, but <laughs> crying I, man. I, um, <laughs> I, I want. I, I am looking forward to actually meeting and shaking Stephen Wooder's hand, the Johnny No Prize on the forum. Ah, because um, we did not get to uh, introduce ourselves last year. So, yeah, I hate like hell to be disrespectful. That that's the one thing that uh, that's my biggest fear. You're so good at it. No, I'm not. Yeah. I, 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 I just, I want to be able to, to meet everyone and spend time with everyone. And when it doesn't turn out that way, I get all freaking weird. Yeah, so, right. All the ride home. No, no. But I mean, so, don't be afraid to call me out. I, if, if you're, you dude, what the hell? You know what I mean? I'm, I'm cool with it. I'd like to spend time with people. That's true because, you know, especially towards the end of the days at the con. As we're going through the the back issue bins, we we tend to kind of all of a sudden start rolling like four, five, six deep and wide. Yeah. I mean, we had we'll, we'll have Zach, we'll have Paul, we'll have um, just look for the tall Earth. Australian guy. Yeah, we end up just end up, the, the mass of people end up just being, which is yeah. great. You know, it's it's this way because everybody is. You know, do you have this one? Do you have this one? What do you think of this one? And we're always that's the best. Letting people know. Oh, buy that one. Oh, get that. Yeah. Do that. So yeah. And you know me. I'll talk to anyone. Remember that time we were walking out and I had the uh, the Superman shield uh, shirt on and that um, she was special. That that girl came up to me and she's like, you know, she's pointing at the. Remember we were yes. walking out. I yes. I just stood there and talked. I mean, I didn't want to diss her, you know, right. but. Yeah. She, Obviously, there was she had something working on her, you know. Right. But I, I, I didn't want to be a, a dick, so I just we we talked for a while, and then I kind of you just got to find that moment to gracefully bow out. Like now, yes, like now. <laughs> and, and <laughs> that was pretty good. Um, uh, get your books cheap. Need I say more? I don't think so. Discount comic book service, DCBService.com, 35 to 75% off your favorite funny books and collectibles. Use the code EOC8, gets you an extra 8% if you're a first time buyer. DCBService.com. And please save the date, May 11th, Appleseed Convention. It's the Midwest's best comic book convention. Hosted in the very town where Johnny Appleseed's corpse was laid to rest. Fort Wayne, Indiana, baby. Gray Morrow's birthplace. Over a hundred creators and is a show dedicated to comics and the people that create them and buy them and love them. Mike Norton, the awesome Tom Scholey, Ryan Brown, who we just talked about, Laura Innes, and very much more. $10 gets you in. If you buy your ticket in advance, you get an 11 by 17 print by Dashing Dave Wachter, who is blowing up at the moment. 
and I couldn't be more happy for the deal. I know, that's awesome. Yes. Uh, Check out the guest list announcements. You can get your tickets and even more at AppleseedCon.com. See, I wonder if, if, if Renee would like to go there for her birthday, because that's the same day. Oh, uh, look at you. Happy birthday, I'm sure she would love it. Wow. Yeah, I'm sure she would. Um, in your travels, I'm going to have a, a, a don't read and a definitely read. Oh. Yes. Uh, my don't read, I have to agree with my, my brother Jason, who said Batwoman kind of falls off the cliff at a, at a certain point. Yeah. I, I, obviously I'm making my way through my Regina pile of collected editions, and I recently read Batwoman Volume 2, To Drown the World, and it's no hydrology. That's for damn sure. <laughs> um, uh, and it's not because of the visual side of it. Um, uh, Amy Reader and, uh, Trevor McCarthy and others do a great job trying to make sense of J.H. Williams's narrative. But he employs this ping pong, uh, pulp fiction type bouncing around in the narrative where the events are all shuffled around unnecessarily. I didn't feel it necessary to invest the energy to follow the story. There was a point where, yeah, this art's really nice, but you know what? I really don't give a shit what's going on here because it just jumps around all over the place. It's, it's, if I'm going to invest that much energy in, in, a, in a, quote, difficult read, I'm just going to pick up Naked Lunch or Ulysses again and because I know I'm going to get something out of it, right? Mm-hmm. I, I just I, I was so let down by this book. Um, moral of the story is wait till J.H. Williams comes back on art and then look at the pretty uh, pictures. Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. But the definitely read, please, I, I'm revisiting this book for the umpteenth time. Go and get the Commandy Omnibus Volume 2. Uh, nothing makes me happier than jumping into the world of the great disaster. It is my one true comfort zone in, in comics. Uh, I pick up things every time I read them. Um, for example, issue number 35, I believe it is. Let me make sure. Issue number 35 you know how Jack Jack used to do the chapter headings? He would break the book down into different chapters. The the chapter page for th- uh, the third chapter of issue 35 is pretty much one of the most avant-garde pages I've ever seen in a mainstream comic. It's 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 um they're on board this Russian uh spacecraft and there's a uh a, a cosmonaut who because he practices yoga and meditation has managed to put himself in a state of suspended animation and he's breaking out of his his um spacesuit at this point and jack does this warhol type thing where he repeats the images and changes the color of the background so so you got a little bit of of pop art um, a la warhol in there and it's just one of the most odd pages I've, I've ever seen in a mainstream comic it's really somewhat disturbing because like the 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 the, 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 the helmet cracks and the, the the cosmonaut oozes out of the the faceplate of the helmet it's nuts but it's 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 really different and it's it's totally unlike any page from commandy and there it is as a chapter heading and it's brilliant and it's just another reason why i love jack there you go all right 
Uh, I already mentioned Wasteland, so I think we're going to talk hopefully in depth about that next week. Uh, the other thing I have been reading, which uh, didn't get a chance to talk about, uh, but enjoyed, and it's been talked about on the show before, is uh, John Layman and John McRae's uh, Mars Attacks. Mm. So, read the first trade of it and loved it. Thought it was hilarious and awesome. You're making me happy every week. I know. And it's, it's, it's getting it's on my I'm nerves. Here. It's, it's getting, what I'm here for. It's starting to bug the shit out of me, buddy. What Please. I'm here for. Don't worry. I'll I'll bring some espionage book in a couple weeks. So, <laughs> Is it a concerted effort to make me happy? It's probably not. It's probably, we're probably just melding. We're, we're, our, That's our, it. That's what That's it is. It. We're becoming yeah, one. Our... our, our our uh, periods are coming into sync. <laughs> I don't. Oh, I don't have them anymore. <laughs> I went through the change. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the cancer did it to me. I'm sorry. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. It's not a toolbox. It's, it's <laughs> not. But it is. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, you know, I, I, um, I, I, well, I, I read East of West, and 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 I'm reading. Wasteland. So really, that's um, you mentioned that so much this episode. I'm gonna have to put it in the show notes, even though we what? really didn't talk about it. Wasteland. Well, I, th- I think that's th- fair, do, right? Do wasteland. Dot. 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 Or oh, you know, ellipsis. Be, be prepared for. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I, I would. Aside from those two items, so you can read along with us with Wasteland next week. Um, and and like Jason said, get east of west. I guess the only thing that we haven't talked about that I guess I could recommend is is a television show called Orphan Black. I love the title. Me too. I, I I'm intrigued by the show. It's it's pretty funky. I, I um, Vince will love it because there's a uh, naked chick ass and and there's um. What channel is it on? BBC America. Ooh. Uh, it is, it's, um, uh, the commercials kind of spoiled some things, so I, there would have been some pretty neat holy crap moments while the show was happening, but, uh, BBC kind of blew their, their wad on, on some of the spots, so, um, you knew what was going to happen, and I was just cruising along with it. It, it, it would have been a pretty good background show, something I wouldn't have to always pay attention to. But the last few minutes of that of that first episode, it, it got its hooks in me, and and um, and now I'm I really am into it. And the second episode was pretty good. It it, it picked up where the um, where the first left off, and it, it kept things going. I um, it, it, it still had some things that it, it peppered some things in the episode that we already saw on in earlier commercials, but it had enough of the story to continue that uh that everything was moving along at a pretty good pace and and now it it has so far in, in these two episodes it's done a real good job of um of leaving you off at at a cliffhanger moment it it ends right where you're you know you don't want it to end and and you want to see more so i'm 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 digging that aspect of it but i am i am liking what I'm seeing so far I'm gonna add it to my d v r I, I don't right. have one of them. What? I don't. Also, dude, have you ever heard of silent mode on your phone? 
No, honestly, no. Let, let's let's clue them in. Chris Chris set up a C2E2 uh, phone text group, I think you would call them. Group me, it's called. Group, group, group me, whatever. And he added everybody that is going to be staying on the, yes, on, I, I, on, the on the floor. Oh, you did. David did. Okay. So today at work... I guess my phone. Well, I, I don't guess. Because, my phone because sucks. Chris Campbell is a chatty motherfucker when he when when he puts his mind to it. Well, yeah, okay, <laughs> Th- that may be true, but true. I don't get text messages a lot of times when they're delivered for whatever reason they build up. So I'm at work today and the damn thing's going ding 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 ding. It's like 27 text messages came in at once, and I said, "Get me the frig off this list." No. <laughs> and Chase is like, "Dude, you could just turn down the volume." Yeah, that's right. Put it on vibrate, son. Dude, yeah. And then keep it in your lap. My bar of soap with the drawer. Seriously. Um, in your travels, uh, I too am trying to cut through my regine pile. And, vagina. Uh, Rhymes with vagina. That's right. Uh, <laughs> I would like you to read Concrete Three Uneasy oh, Pieces. Wow. Wow. Nice, Jason. Yeah, so it's, uh, you know, Concrete is the famous, beloved series by Mr. Paul Chadwick. And uh, as part of the Dark Horse Presents anthology, he wrote uh, three stories over a course of uh, issues. I think it was actually issues one, two, and three, frankly. I believe so. Um, And they were collected, as Dark Horse has been doing, into one uh, oversized uh, comic. Um, It's a a regular-sized comic. It's only, I think, 24 pages of stories, so it's it's $2.99 cover. So it's not like... It's not a big onerous thing to purchase, but um, I had ordered it when it was solicited. It's just been sitting on my pile, and it was the next up. And I, I have to say, it was it was so much fun to revisit that world. You know, he, he really, it really made me miss um, miss Concrete. Um, it's which is just a fantastic book for those that haven't experienced it yet. And uh, it's just three little quick vignettes um, that I think are just you know would fit anywhere into the. To the long and storied concrete mythos, it's uh, you know he 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 stops a burglary, but there's a little bit of a twist involved. There's a one where he thinks he's meeting the aliens who gave him his body, um, but it's it's you know Chadwick still got got the touch. The book still looks fantastic. It's obviously he it's his character, so he, he knows the voices and uh, just a nice little little aperitif. And it's only going to cost you it's a three dollar two ninety nine cover. So uh, for those of you that are about to head to see Tuitu with us, I. I can imagine it won't be too hard for you to track a copy of this down in the bins for a buck or two, and yep. it's uh, it's money well spent. So, yeah, those storyboard artists, even though they don't do comics, <coughs> they're 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 really good at it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Gabe. He's not here to defend himself. So, not that he has to. And just to plug uh, a Hardman Betchko joint, I do believe that. Their dark horse contribution is going to be collected in the, in the same issue as well. Yes, correct. So there you go. All right, people. It's been another one. Thank you for being here with us. Uh, as usual, we will be back next week, same time, same channel. And you know what? We love you so much. So much. So much. I love you to death. So much. You sound like Adam Sandler in Hotel Transylvania. Terrible. Terrible? No, it's great. Probably the best Sandler movie ever. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's not. Happy Gilmore. (laughs) By far. I freaking love Adam Sandler. I don't get the the Venom. I really don't. 
dude's hilarious. Why do people hate John Cena? It's just people hate John Cena. Yeah. Why? He's a big teddy bear. I don't, I don't get that either. All right. We'll we'll be back next week because we love yeah, you so much. Okay.